0: Welcome to the Movie Planet. Joining me today is the Hydra to my corrupted shield. Steve, welcome back, sir. (laughs) All right. Well, this week we're tackling the second movie in the Captain America franchise and the ninth in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Captain America the Winter Soldier. On this show, we'll be keeping track of all the movies worth your time in our Movie Planet Pantheon. The comic book movie Planet Pantheon is comprised of seven and only seven films. And in order to be inducted, it's gotta be reviewed by us. Now those films are, number one, Deadpool. Number two, the Iron Man movie, the original. Number three, The Dark Knight. Number four, Batman Begins got an A minus average. Number five, Marvel's The Avengers ended up getting a B plus average. Number six, Captain America the First Avenger. And number seven, Thor, both at the B level. Now the higher the grade we give it, the longer it may be staying there. Only a film with a higher grade can kick it out on its butt from the preserve in the future. So we will discuss the movie and in an hour or so, we will analyze it and grade it and figure out if we need to boot a movie out. Now, This is a spoiler-rich podcast, so if you haven't seen 2014's Captain America, The Winter Soldier, it's best if you stop right here, watch the movie, and then turn us back on to enjoy our discussion and analysis. But before we get started, Steve, you wanted to amend something. About your Iron Man 3 grade, which I believe you gave a C, a, a solid, actually was it a C minus? I
1: think it was a C minus.
0: You gave it a C minus, so below average for, well, I'm going to let you deal with this, okay? So the floor is yours, sir. Steve, tell us what you have to say about Iron Man 3. All
1: right, so I feel like I need to readdress some comments I made about Iron Man 3, Um after some time and thinking about some things that have come to fruition that I didn't see the first couple times, I see now how important they are in the overall story. When Stark is being attacked at his house, I was really confused on why that whole thing was going on. But it was Aldrich who was behind everything because he was shot down mm-hmm. multiple times by Tony Stark in 99 and then by Pepper Potts when he went to go give that little presentation to her. The Mandarin is still secretive, and after seeing Hail to the King, it yeah. is still even more chilling. <laughs> this is this has a secret makings to be new and better than Hydra,
0: in mm-hmm. my
1: opinion. It's intriguing. And there's no way that I can keep this movie so far below Iron Man 2. Yay! I still don't like the fire breather storyline. Seems a little hokey. Too science fiction-y for me, and I know I'm going to get some flack about that because Steve, this is a comic book uh, <laughs> genre. You know, look at all the ca- look at all the superheroes that we have here. Uh-huh. Um, but we really haven't seen any kind of superhero that is like that that glows and breathes fire so far.
0: Just just um, just ones that you know conduct lightning.
1: You know, and I thought about that <laughs> as I was typing. <laughs> But you know what? I got more of a backstory from that. <laughs> They're more godlike. So I, I tend to believe that a little bit more. The Mandarin or Aldrich's character and how he developed all those things and the intricates of how it works and what makes him do that. Yeah. I, I, I didn't get a whole lot of explanation. So I got to go with what they give me. Okay. With everything about who the real Mandarin might be. Mm hmm. I would watch this again to pick up new things. And I'm pretty sure that the last time I graded this, I would say I would watch it again if somebody needed to watch it, but still at that point, let me know when you're done. Yeah. If the 10 rings storyline blows up within the next, in the next phase, yeah, this can truly be epic. Uh-huh. And I'm talking B plus A minus. Yes. Yes. Come to the dark side. <laughs> <laughs> but for what we know now and what has yet to be seen, I give it a one whole letter grade up of a B, B minus.
0: OK, so your B minus in my B plus averages out to a flat B, uh, which is an improvement. I can I can deal with that. Um, still not happy about it, but I can deal with it. Uh, but that does not put it in the Pantheon. It is still out of the Pantheon. It's still waving to Iron Man, which is in it. Uh, But you know what? That's okay. We got a lot of movies that we're going through here, and they're not all going to make it. There's only seven spots, so we got to deal with it. Let's see if this one makes it in. This week, we are discussing 2014's Captain America, The Winter Soldier, a movie made for $170 million that brought in $714.2 million worldwide. Written by the same guys that are going to end up bringing you Infinity War and Endgame, Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. Produced by the... Uh, just the unstoppable Kevin Feige. Yes. And directed by the directors who will bring you Civil War, Infinity War, and Endgame, the Russo Brothers. So it just seems to me like right now, just based off of that, why don't we just give it an A now and just move on? That's true. It's got the
1: great possibility of it.
0: But. There is no but. It's perfect as it is. Okay. Starring. Chris Evans as Steve Rogers or Captain America. Scarlett Johansson as Natasha Romanoff or Black Widow. Sebastian Stan as Bucky Barnes or The Winter Soldier. Anthony Mackie as Sam Wilson or The Falcon. And then that's where the nicknames end, thank God. Kobe Smalders as Maria Hill, Frank Grillo as Brock Rumlow, Emily Van Camp as Sharon Carter, uh uh-oh, Haley Atwell as Peggy Carter, I wonder if they're related, Robert Redford as Alexander Pierce, Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury, Elizabeth Olsen and Aaron Taylor-Johnson as Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, and Stan Lee as a security guard at the Smithsonian. Now, I want to add something here, and that is Emily Van Camp is Sharon Carter. We know that from Civil War, but in this movie, she's actually not named that at all. She's just called Agent 13. So the yeah. mystery is still, who is she? We don't find out until Civil War later that it's Peggy Carter's niece. And you're like, oh, that's awkward. Yeah. <laughs> but, hey, let's get into the making of this one. Don't get on the set. Get ready to shoot and then ask for rewrites. Studios do this crap all the time and they wonder why they end up with a shit movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys! Welcome to the movie factory! Movie? You know, I hate the word movie. I don't make movies, I make films! Shortly after Captain America the First Avenger was released in theaters, screenwriters Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely announced that Marvel had already hired the duo to work on the film's sequel. In September of 2011, Chris Evans said that a sequel may not be released until 2014, though. In January 2012, Neil McDonough, who played Dum-Dum Dugan in Captain America The First Avenger, mentioned that a sequel would likely be filmed after the completion of Thor The Dark World, which would likely have been before the end of 2012. By March of 2012, Marvel whittled down the possible directors for the sequel to three candidates, George Nolfi, F. Gary Gray, and brothers Anthony and Joseph Russo. Walt Disney Studios went ahead and announced the plan released for the sequel to Captain America, the first Avenger for April 4th, 2014. And in April of 2012, a month after that Marvel had whittled down the directors, F. Gary Gray withdrew his name from consideration, choosing instead to direct the N.W.A. biographical film Straight Outta Compton. Now, when it comes to the writing, Feige stated that Steve Rogers would be paired with other characters from the Avengers, like Black Widow and Nick Fury, because unlike Tony Stark and Thor, who could return to their own supporting casts, Rogers had nowhere else to go. And it just made sense that he was the one that stayed with what remains of the Avengers at the end of the film. The writers considered including Hawkeye, but, quote, he didn't have enough to do, and suddenly it seemed like we were giving him short shrift, end quote. Leading all of his other parts to be fulfilled by Black Widow. And Joe Russo added that Jeremy Renner's schedule could not be worked out for him to appear anyway. As to why the Red Skull from the first Avenger did not appear in The Winter Soldier, Joe Russo explained, quote, I know we have a guy in a computer, but the tone we were chasing was sort of that conspiracy thriller and we wanted to try and ground the movie as much as we could. And Red Skull, he's a fantastical character and didn't necessarily fit for Cap 2, and especially because it was about the fall of S.H.I.E.L.D. Certainly Hydra exists and that's his legacy, but there's something interesting about the fact that his legacy outlived the Skull. And they're still dealing with the demons of it, but not necessarily him. End quote. Chris McKenna, who worked with the Russo brothers on the sitcom community, contributed to the script by writing jokes for the film. Now in June of 2012, the Russo brothers entered negotiations to direct the sequel, and Samuel L. Jackson was confirmed to return as SHIELD director Nick Fury. Joe Russo detailed that since the intent was for a political thriller, quote, all the great political thrillers have very current issues in them that reflect the anxiety of the audience, end quote. Thus, the brothers opted to include references to drone warfare, warfare, targeted killing, and global surveillance. In July 2012, Anthony Mackie entered negotiations to star as Falcon alongside Chris Evans in the sequel. Sebastian Stan was also confirmed to be reprising his role as James Barnes. By August 2012, Anna Kendrick, Felicity Jones, and Imogen Poots were being considered frontrunners for a leading role in the film. In September 2012, Chris Evans stated that filming would begin in March 2013. Evans also stated that Rogers' adjustment to the modern world, which was originally set to be included in The Avengers, would be better suited for Captain America, the Winter Soldier. By October, Amelia Clark, Jessica Brown Finley, Teresa Palmer, Imogen Poots, and Allison Brie were being considered for Rogers' love interest in the film, most likely Agent 13. And Scarlett Johansson was brought back to reprise her role as Black Widow. Later in the month, Frank Grillo was testing for the role of the villain Crossbones in the film, and by the end of the month, Grillo closed a deal to portray the character, and Kobe Smulders signed on to reprise her role as Maria Hill from The Avengers. In January 2013, Haley Atwell, who played Peggy Carter in Captain America, The First Avenger, said that she would not appear in the sequel. However, Stanley Tucci, who played Dr. Abraham Erskine in the previous film, later said that Atwell would reappear in a flashback scene. Later that month, Toby Jones, who portrayed Arnim Zola in the first film, said that he would reprise the role in the sequel. In February 2013, Emily Van Camp entered negotiations to play a female lead in the film, Agent 13. By March 2013, Maximiliano Hernandez was signed to reprise his role as S.H.I.E.L.D. agent Jasper Sitwell from Thor and The Avengers. And Robert Redford, Robert Redford entered in talks to join the cast as a high-ranking member of S.H.I.E.L.D., which he later confirmed. Toward the end of March, UFC fighter George St. Pierre was cast as a character based on the comics Batroc the Leaper in the film. They made sure that they wanted to keep Captain America's uniform uh, as unaltered as possible, but it was altered from the ones seen in previous films with a Kevlar-based ballistic component that would protect Captain America, but at the same time function like a military uniform. Joe Russo said, quote, we wanted to use his super soldier outfit from the Steve Rogers Super Soldier series as a way to represent thematically his place in the world of S.H.I.E.L.D and the difference between working for S.H.I.E.L.D. and being Captain America." For the Falcon costume, the filmmakers were interested in adding more of a tactical design than was represented in the comic books, by including real-world webbing, straps, and gear, and stripping away the more comic book elements. Right, Steve. Do you remember seeing this for the first time? What'd you think? Interestingly, I do because for some weird reason, this was a
1: tough movie for me to finally watch. Don't know why. Whether it was me trying to just get my hands on it, but um, it was definitely through my Joe journey. Yay! Um, I think a lot of it blew over my head, so I was interested to see it again. I think I've only seen it maybe once or maybe twice um how about you joe
0: uh yeah i loved this because it felt like the marvel movies had grown up a little bit i remember seeing this in the theater going okay it's a marvel movie avengers iron man three yeah 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 here's thor the dark world okay it's still kind of fun and this was the one where it's like oh shit this is an adult movie this is for adults this is not just for like the inner child in you this is this is a political thriller this is a spy thriller damn i'm loving this <laughs> so yeah it was a little bit more serious and i kind of liked the direction it was going um but hey, let's let's start walking. You know what? Let's get into the wonderfulness of this film. I'm going to keep using positive things to say. Uh, <laughs> well, let's, okay, here we go. So cue the clip.
2: You just can't stop yourself from lying, can you? I didn't lie. Romanov had a different mission than yours. Which you didn't feel obliged to share. I'm not obliged to do anything. Those hostages could have died, next. I sent the greatest soldier in history to make sure that didn't happen. Soldiers trust each other. That's what makes it an army, not a bunch of guys running around shooting guns. Last time I trusted someone, I lost an eye. Look, I didn't want you doing anything you weren't comfortable with. Agent Romanoff is comfortable with everything. I can't lead a mission when the people I'm leading have missions of their own. It's called compartmentalization. Nobody spills the secrets because nobody knows them all. Except you. You're wrong about me. I do share. I'm nice like that. Insight Bay.
0: Captain Rogers does not have clearance for Project Insight.
2: Director override. Fury. Nicholas J. Confirmed. You know, they used to play music. Yeah. <laughs> My grandfather operated one of these things for 40 years. You know, granddad worked in a nice building, got good tips. He'd walk home every night, a roll of wands stuffed in his lunch bag. He'd say hi, people would say hi back. Time went on, neighborhood got rougher. He'd say hi, they'd say keep on stepping. Granddad got the grip in that lunch bag a little tighter. You ever get mugged? (laughs) Every week some punk would say, what's in the bag? What would he do? He'd show a bunch of crumpled ones on a loaded 22 Magnum. Granddad loved people, but he didn't trust them very much.
0: Two years after the events of the Battle of New York, retired soldier Sam Wilson jogs around the Tidal Basin in Washington, D.C. Catching up to him very quickly is Steve Rogers. Steve completes multiple laps over Sam until the latter gets tired and sits to rest. Sam joins him and they introduce themselves turns out sam's a war veteran and he knows steve has been adjusting to life in the 21st century because you know he's captain america everybody knows who the hell he is and that he has a lot to catch up on so he recommends that steve listens to marvin Gaye's trouble man soundtrack to get up to speed on the last few decades (laughs) which was really funny because that soundtrack was really like a year steve adds it to his list along with things like star wars and star trek and rocky Steve gets a text telling him to stand by the curb in front of the Capitol, and a car pulls up driven by the sultry Natasha Romanoff. She greets the two men, and Steve hops in the car. What do you think about this opening, Steve?
1: Um, going back to the list on why he chose... I want to know why he chose uh, Marvin Gaye's Trouble Man. Like, out of all of the albums yeah. and all of your soul music, why did he focus on that one? There's got to be something for that. I don't know. It is, um, one, it is I, one of the
0: best R&B albums ever made.
1: Okay, well, yeah. shame on me for never listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I really liked it. It was very, um, it was a nice, calm opening, just yeah. kind of like how you said it in the synopsis. It was really so
0: solemn. Different... Like, it, it felt like you were like, okay. It felt like the opening to any military movie that you've ever seen, where it's like, we're going to do, like, just, it's dusk, or it's dawn, and something's about to happen before everybody's up.
1: <laughs> yeah, the, Trump, the trumpet, again, the music right there, the trumpet really... Uh, solidifies that
0: yeah we get we we get we get captain america running around just on your left on your left (laughs) don't you say on your left again (laughs) i love that scene because i i this is the first time we meet sam and i love sam's personality already you can tell he's competitive he he, you know and he looks up to steve but he also sees him as a peer yeah so i immediately i'm i'm in love with steve and sam together already. Uh, I think the list is hysterical that he pulls out of his pocket because it's got like, the funny thing about that list, I don't know if you saw the uh, behind the scenes of this, but they did different lists for all the different countries that this movie was coming out in.
1: God dang it, Marvel. That's really awesome.
0: Like they changed, like they had like the same, they had like 10 things on the list and they would change three of them depending on what the country was. So for like Russia, they would take away something that was US centric and they put some, like an event in Russian history that they had like Sputnik. You missed this. And so it made it a global sharing movie.
1: Wow, that's really cool. That's good by them. I thought it was really Uh,
0: cool. Uh, and I got a question for you, Steve. Does, does Black Widow ever not look good?
1: Does, does uh, no, she does really look good. She, any outfit that she pulls, yeah, that I, she does. She pulls off great, but even I Sam
0: miss, is hitting on her.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, and now she's driving a nice little car. That just even makes it a little even better.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: The first thing I noticed was that she, I don't know, call me weird, but <laughs> I miss her red curly locks from the from the first Iron Man.
0: Yeah. Those are but, really, really sexy. Uh,
1: that, well, those were,
0: but this is more tech. This is more of a tactical haircut, it is. Yeah, it's,
1: uh, I'm still gonna miss it. I don't care. Um, <laughs> I really thought it was interesting when, uh, after they do their little run around, yeah, Stam is completely exhausted and he goes, and hey, you just ran like. 13 miles in 30 minutes. <laughs> and I know we've talked about this before, and he said, like, so it was kind of a rough estimate. but as soon as he said that, I paused the film. <laughs> I was like,
0: All Get a right, "Calculator,
1: right, <laughs> let's look, let's put this into perspective here. Let's say he does about that. Yes. Well, thir- 13.1, that's a half marathon. Mm-hmm. So that means he's roughly running a 220 mile. Okay, and this is this is good to relate, you know, for us or anybody out there who is, uh, you know, our.
0: I can. But by the way, it's it's him. I believe the two twenty mile. I believe it.
1: A two twenty mile, which means he's going at twenty six miles per hour. Sounds great. Consistently, yes. Um, to put that in perspective of who we have out there now in the world, Usain Bolt's highest speed was recorded at twenty eight miles an hour, but that was like during the sixty meter and the eight hundred meter. Of his fastest time, so yes. it wasn't even sustained um, in the hundred-meter dash. So that means he was averaging twenty-three point three. Joe, that's about as close to a Steve Rogers superhero that we might have. Yes.
0: If he if he only has to go a short distance, we've got him. <laughs> Ugh, but that's insane. That's just insane. insane. Is the fact that if, if, if when doing the math, which was great of you to do. Is that, yeah, 26 miles per hour, and that's at a marathon speed. Imagine if he was freaking sprinting.
1: Yeah, that's even crazier.
0: I bet mean, he pushes up to yeah. 35, 40.
1: <laughs> yeah, he was probably doing about a 6, 7 effort level.
0: Think about this. He was catching up <laughs> to cars in in the first Avenger.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, the duo joins other S.H.I.E.L.D. agents led by Brock Rumlow as they fly over the Indian Ocean. A S.H.I.E.L.D. vessel, the Lemurian Star, has been taken over by pirates led by George Batrock. They are holding hostages, including Agent Jasper Sitwell. Steve, in his Captain America outfit, dives out of the jet armed only with a S.H.I.E.L.D. and no parachute. He, <laughs> he lands in the water and climbs onto the ship, beating every goon that comes in his way. <laughs> Um,
1: This is an intense scene. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. Actually really cool how he just goes and just destroys everything. (laughs) But call me crazy. Did the digital effects, didn't they look a little off to you? Nope. Nope. I mean, <laughs>
0: <okay>. <laughs> they, well, did they did. <laughs> there was here's here. there's one shot I will agree with. There's one shot that bothers me every time I watch it. And it's when he's just gotten on the ship and he starts sprinting through and he goes through one door and he comes out the other side. You can tell it's a body double because he's entered at a speed and the speed doesn't catch up with the person that's on the other side of that door.
1: Well, that's probably one of many that I recognize too. Oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> um, but it just seemed to me like at times Chris Evans was swinging but not connecting with combatants, um, and at times there was kind of an issue with me throughout the movie. It, you can, I could just see the fake punching. Just call me. Yeah, I'm even more critical now. My eyes are changing, Joe.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I like this version of you. <laughs> I do like the fact that you know it, it's been two years since things have been going on now since the battle of New York and you're thinking to yourself, okay, cap is the on-call guy, but he has a comment in the plane where he goes, I'm tired of being fury's janitor. Damn.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: I was like, wow, that, that's some shade thrown right there. Good Lord. Uh, (laughs) I love that black widow keeps trying to hook cap up with someone at work. (laughs) (laughs) It, it, it's just, it, these are the moments in the movie where you find the bonding happen because it's not just always about the mission. They they have lives outside of it. And this is so passe for them. They're kind of like, you know, knock, knock, pow, pow, bang, bang. And it's like, you know, what about uh, Betsy and uh, accounting? <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Uh, he clears the deck well. He's stealth mode. He, his fighting techniques have definitely improved since the first one.
1: Yeah, the guy just anytime we see him on screen he's either fighting or you know
0: yeah and
1: planning you know so he's changing he's yeah
0: and steve i love the new suit
1: yeah very stealthy looking he's got like a lot of of kevlar on. the
0: navy blue i was like yes we've we've gotten captain america to 2014 yes this is what he should look like now uh, <laughs> but then we have this. Natasha and the other agents drop down to aid Cap. The agents defeat the pirates and rescue the hostages while Batrock tries to run and is caught by Cap. They fight on the deck of the ship, with Batrock getting quickly back up on his feet, even when Cap manages to take him down. I thought you were more than a mask, he says smugly. Steve removes his mask and replies, let's find out. He continues the fight and knocks Batrock down for good with his shield. Now, Cap is knocking people out. Black Widow's straight up murdering folks.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, she's not as strong as Steve, so she has to just make sure that when they're down, they stay down.
0: Yeah, and <laughs> I love, I, I will say this again. I love the Lemurian star scene, but Steve, and it's about time. I have a bugaboo about this. Yep. What does Cap do here that Black Widow couldn't do on her own? I mean, she's certainly capable of clearing that deck also, it looks like.
1: Yeah, they're pretty much equals, I would think. shes I mean, the only thing is that I don't think uh, Cap is killing people. <laughs> that no, he's would not. be the only difference. Um, he does throw so. a knife through
0: somebody's hand, though. <laughs> yeah,
1: he immobilizes. Them. <laughs> That's a great word. That's exactly what he does. He immobilizes. Yes. She ends.
0: <laughs> she ends human beings. Uh, yeah. But, but uh, you know, it, I think that here's the I don't like, th- the only thing I don't like about this is that you don't need Cap for this scene to make it happen. But that being said, I think the purpose of the scene is to just show that, one, Black Widow is not just the grunt on the ground that you saw in Avengers. Is that she can handle herself just as capably as him. So they're kind of building the idea that they're equals in some way, shape, or form. They just do things very differently. But I know you have a problem with Batrock. So
1: yeah, go uh, ahead at first. Yeah. At first I was just before I saw any of the end credits, I'm like, man, that guy looks a little familiar. And I mean, I've watched UFC here or there, but it's like, oh, that's George St. Pierre. When I finally found out, oh, that's kind of neat. Yeah. Um, but my one question is, is Cap is this super soldier, you know, person who can just kind of almost destroy anything in his will. Mm. Um, he's fighting somebody. Yes. When you're when you're fighting somebody, you want to win the fight as quickly as possible without harm ever coming to you. So why doesn't he if he's a super soldier, why doesn't he just knock him out once? Why does he have to draw it on? Is he proving something to himself? Is he proving something to his enemies? I mean to me, I think Black Widow would just be even a better person in that spot than uh, Captain
0: America Fair enough, fair enough I First of all, bat is based off of the comic book villain bat the Leaper. <laughs> That's his name Batrock the okay. Leaper and uh, so he's a villain, and I'm looking here to see if he's got any powers at all. I don't see any at the moment. He certainly oh powers and abilities, near superhuman conditioning. He has no superhuman powers. However, he constantly pushed his own limits with pinnacle of training. Blah blah blah. He's got great human leak, great human strength, but not as good as everybody else. Human agility. Uh. Yeah human reflexes he's a master martial artist which pierre there you go uh yeah. master thief he's weapons proficient so he's kind of like the best of the best you could get without it being a super soldier it sounds like
1: so would it be almost safe to say that he is like the male version of a black widow you could that's why I think Black Widow and him would have been just as
0: good. Yes, I like that. Yeah. Well, Steve finds Natasha extracting files from the ship's computer using a S.H.I.E.L.D. flash drive. When Steve calls her out, she tells him she'd been given a different mission by Nick Fury. She pull, she pulls the flash drive out moments before a pirate runs past and throws a grenade at the two. Steve grabs Natasha and jumps through a window before it explodes. This is cool. <laughs> <laughs> no one's on the same mission. Yeah. <laughs> Now, I didn't know this was what it was called, but I'm going to say it. You know me with my Swedish words. Oh, you're great. Okay, here we go. At the Triskelion shields headquarters across the Potomac River from Washington, D.C. in Virginia, Steve confronts Nick Fury about the motives behind Natasha's task. Fury knew Steve wouldn't be be comfortable with it, so he asked Natasha... Fury reminds Steve that he can't trust anybody, even those who work closely with him. He takes Steve into an elevator down to the cavernous underground level where there are three helicarriers being worked on as part of Project Insight. An operation that connects the helicarriers to spy satellites used to prevent any possible terrorist attacks. In part, a response to Loki and his Shatari horde that attacked New York. Steve sees this as more of an aggressive form of protection, and Fury insists that he get with the program. Now, immediately, me and Mr. Continuity here. Uh, mm-hmm. Last time I trusted someone, I lost an eye. Bullshit. You lost it because a space cat <laughs> scratched you. That's a continuity problem. But it's more with Captain Marvel, because they should have known better. Uh, yeah. So- something this movie does great is there are a lot of conversations early that have nothing to do about the plotter mission. I mentioned it earlier. It's just people sharing stories and getting to know each other, like when they're in the elevator and Fury's telling about his father and his job. And how his father grew up. And you're like,
1: yeah, this is what you get to hear about uh, Nick Fury. Yeah, um, and his family and his background, finally a little bit because he's kind of been just the leader, and that's all you know. So yeah, yeah I agree.
0: Granddad didn't trust anyone. That's the third time the word has been used. Clearly, that's a theme in this movie. Trust. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm looking at the helicarrier, Stephen. Boy, that's a lot of guns on that gunship. Are we expecting thousands of terrorists to show up all at once? <laughs>
1: Uh, no, that was a good, that's a good point. But I think also to be honest here, that's, that's an show of intimidation. Yeah.
0: That's what, that's what shield's going for. Okay, but they're all working. Like, like if you just had him as decoration, I can understand the intimidation factor, but they're all working guns, man.
1: Well, I guess if they can be used independently, based on the angle to where the terrorist is at, you don't want the one gun. You don't want to turn the whole ship around just to go after of that one person. <laughs> Sorry, okay. I'm thinking too much no, no, that. No, no, fair
0: <laughs> enough. Even even though that is high as a helicarrier is, if the bullet is fired, what are the chances of it actually hitting the target?
1: Well, if it's all computer system, I would think it's got to be somewhat pretty accurate. Oh, no. This is a MacGuffin.
0: Well, no. This is a mini Civil War, my friend, showing that Cap still looks at things from a moral high ground and with the spirit of freedom, which meant more in the 40s than today. Fury is looking at things from a more modern point of view, but also one of the cynicisms and fear itself. So they have two. It's almost like you're watching how America has changed since 1940. We've gone from hopeful to paranoid.
1: Yeah, it's that instilling that FOG, that fear of God.
0: Oh, I like that. That fog. Okay, Steve visits the Smithsonian Museum to check out an exhibit to de- dedicated to Captain America. A child recognizes him in disguise, but Steve holds a finger to his lips, asking the kid not to point him out. Shh. The kid understands and keeps quiet. Among the displays are mannequins with his World War II uniform and the costumes of Steve's old commando squad and one of his old friends, Bucky Barnes, whom Steve saw fall to his death. wah Steve checks out a video of his old love, Peggy Carter, in which she commemorates Steve on his actions as Cap. How many times do you think Steve is going to Smithsonian just to watch that video?
1: Uh, I'm thinking at least once a day.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's heartbreaking to see that not only has the word moved on, but she has also. Ugh.
1: Damn. Yeah, I mean, what else does he got to do? I mean, it's just like, you know, be in the military and that's it. It's,
0: it's the mission. Classic,
1: it's all about the mission. That's it's, what Cap needs. It's that's what a, Cap needs. Exactly. Um, Does anybody else notice this guy here? Or is it just a kid? <laughs> I mean, really? Nobody else notices him? Just the one
0: kid? He Clark Kenton. He put a hat on and nobody noticed him.
1: Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. Uh, Oh, the day that we finally do Superman.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He later visits an elderly Peggy who has since been married and had children. She is ill, and although she initially appears to recognize Steve, she slips back into a state where she believes she's seeing him again for the first time since he was lost, shocked to see him alive. He merely says, I couldn't leave my best girl. Now, when she owes me a dance. (laughs) well that dance line's gonna pay off later (laughs) yeah but hey she found shield that's important if you've never watched any of the one shots you didn't know that if you have you knew that already but this is a really heartbreaking scene also
1: yeah i can relate to this because i did have a family member that kind of had that alzheimer's so seeing that over and over again it's like Now, that is like one of the most heartbreaking things that you can see because you think you got something and then you lose it. It comes, it comes back. It's, it's just, yeah, it's definitely heartbreaking.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's, it, it's rough to watch. But n- knowing what we know now about Endgame, is that does did did this Peggy spend the rest of her life with the Cap that went back in time? Oh. Uh, cool.
1: But I don't know any about that yet, so I don't know.
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, Fury tries to access the files that Natasha got on the flashlight flash drive, but he is unable to get past security. Something that was apparently set by himself. He goes to meet with Defense Secretary Alexander Pierce as he is meeting with the World Security Council over the matter of the hijacking of the Lemurian Star. Fury tells Pierce that they need to delay Project Insight. Pierce says, "Okay." But he wants Fury to have Iron Man stop by his niece's birthday. <laughs> Steve, I'm going to let you read that first line that I wrote right there.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, from when he's <laughs> trying to access all those files and he's just like, huh, they're denied. Do Who it. Who authorized this? Do it. Uh, Fury does. So, then he gives that kind of a look that's out and goes,
0: Something's screwy here. <laughs> <laughs> As soon as I wrote the line I was like Steve's got to read this. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> uh, the World Security Council is four people. That seems a little understaffed for, you know, the world.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like who do these people represent? <laughs> what happened like at the end of Avengers there was like an eight person panel.
0: You know No, there like, were still no, th- was const- no, there were still four people. Was it still four? Okay. Yeah, because they it looked were they, a lot
1: more than what I thought. He
0: was he was in a smaller room, and they were panels all over the room. The four pan the four people.
1: Okay, I guess so. Okay, yeah. well then that helps. It, that helps solidify that. But yeah, who are these four people? What do they represent? Mm-hmm. I mean, who?
0: Yeah, and they that are the same cool. group of people. I mean, it, they they got the same actors to play. So, that you know I got to give Marvel this. Even if you play a 30 second part in a movie, they're like, yeah, we'll guarantee you a spot if we ever need you again.
1: Yeah, that is interesting. They I won't... could have sworn I thought there was one person that was missing. maybe the main guy that uh, Fury keeps talking to. I can't remember his name or what other movies he's played in.
0: I know who you're but talking I about.
1: See, I didn't see him in this panel.
0: He may have passed away before this movie came out.
1: Oh, somber note.
0: Because <laughs> I know he died around this time. Oh Yeah, thanks, Joe. You're welcome. That's what I do. Uh, but then Alexander Pierce, he literally just walks out on the World Security Council. He's talking to. I'm like, damn. I mean, you just walk out on these people. You can't just do that.
1: Yeah, it's like wait, time out here. And the one, and when they finally panned to that open thing, I noticed who they were. One of the four people were talking to. I was like, way to get the little weasel from the other comic book <laughs> universe from the Dark Knight. Yep. (laughs) The Hong Kong representative. (laughs) Way to get him.
0: They're like, oh, I'm sorry, you're bored with DC? Come on over, we got you.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) But that's the thing. He had a big role in The Dark Knight. He has literally zero role in this movie, but he's still in it.
1: Well, he's in control of the world on this one. He was in control of Hong Kong, China.
0: (laughs) Well, Steve finds Sam counseling other veterans suffering from PTSD. After the group meeting, Sam reveals to Steve that he lost his friend Riley in battle in Iraq after he was shot down in the air with an RPG. Despite the loss of his friend, Sam still loves flying. Underlining the word flying. Mm -hmm. He asks Steve what makes him happy, and he doesn't know. Now again, I love that he meets Sam again, and and Sam is leading the counseling group, which later on we find Steve honoring that memory by doing the same thing in Endgame. So I think that's a really, really cool uh, callback that they do in Endgame to this. Sam asking him if he'd want to get out and he seems to not know the answer tells you all you need to know about Captain Rogers now. He he knows nothing else but the mission.
1: Yeah, I had a sense that during this whole thing when he's walking in there, I says. Steve Rogers is developing a little bit of a man crush to Sam.
0: Ah, come on.
1: He's looking him up in the VA. He took in the invite. He's running with them. I'm not saying it's like, you know. God. It's just a man. They're really good man friends.
0: That's They about have that. a bromance.
1: They, a bromance man crush. Isn't that the same thing?
0: It, well, bromance. Th- these are bros. Yeah, I agree. It's yeah, a they romance. a romance
1: together. Yeah,
0: but de- developing a crush on... Watch your wording, my friend. Fury leaves the Triskelion and is en route to meet with Maria Hill when he is attacked by assassins impersonating policemen. He gets away, suffering a broken arm, but is then soon stopped by a masked man in the middle of the road who shoots a magnetic disc grenade under Nick Fury's SUV, flipping it. However... Before the masked man gets to Fury, he manages to use a high-tech device to cut through the vehicle and street and escape into the sewers. Now, Steve, this SUV is amazing. It Is, is it Stark Tech, maybe?
1: It, it, it is beyond amazing. This is, like, every, like guy's dream vehicle with everything that this thing can do
0: I, well the except in this has, movie the thing has
1: a 40 caliber coming out of it <laughs> <laughs> Jeez.
0: it comes out of the arm council <laughs> yeah my first thought when I'm watching this who the hell are these guys attacking fury because they're all policemen and then you then he says initiate vertical takeoff and you're like what the heck this thing can fly
1: it's almost like every single second of this scene you thought that wow this is really cool that this car can do and then in a couple of seconds, it can do that. Yeah. It's like it kept evolving. It was really cool.
0: The worst part about um, this car is we never actually see it do any of these things.
1: <laughs> yeah, the vehicle was very super soldier-like, which was kind of neat. Um
0: I know where you're it, going here, you hole.
1: I'm debating because last time I got kinda I, no, I got a kind of crushed on this one. Um, but it's almost like there was like something in the gasoline to make it do something like this, like a serum. They put in this. There's no... I mean, the fact that the car went through what it did, getting blown up, battering rammed, there's no way that this car should be functioning. No way. I run into a guardrail, and my engine turns off. <laughs>
0: well, you don't have start
1: to the- No, I don't. I get that, but still, there's only so much something can actually take. Well... And we don't even know if this is Stark technology. It was never come out and said. If it was come out and said, then I'd be like, okay, then I can kind of put the relationship to everything in an Iron Man suit, which I think I talked about that and didn't like that in Iron Man 3, when he got blown up and nothing was dented. But anyways, Mm -hmm. um, it was just, there's just, I had a tough time believing that this car was still functioning the way it was.
0: Well, Um, this is the tricky thing about car chases in movies, is that you either hate to love them or you love to hate them. And this is one where I I hate to love this scene because I know choreographically it makes zero damn sense. Like, yes. how did the Winter Soldier know what direction he was going to drive? And he takes like three or four turns it. But th- then I go, that's such a cool introduction to this guy, though.
1: <laughs> it really is. You know what? I think you put it really. I think that's perfect. You hate to love the scene. Yeah. Um, shouldn't they have shouldn't. You know when Winter Soldier disables Nick Fury's vehicle? Yes, which is is running on all cylinders beautifully, by the way. Um, (laughs) Shouldn't they just done that in the first place if they wanted to immobilize this unit? You know, shouldn't they? I mean, that's a fancy little like little shootout at mine, have it stick to the ground and run right over it type thing. That was really cool.
0: They did a good job of boxing it in with all the police cars and all that stuff. I was like, okay, he's not going to go anywhere. But we didn't know what. I don't think they knew what the SUV was capable of. That's true. But then again. If they thought that's what all you needed, why would they b- get the Winter Soldier in there?
1: I know it was a way to introduce the Winter Soldier. I but know. Just...
0: I hate to love the scene, Steve.
1: Yeah, it <laughs> would have made his uh, entrance a little bit more um, reasonable because then he can just come to an immobilized unit as yeah. opposed to trying to find one. I get it. Okay,
0: but then we also get uh, we get movie time. Problems here, which is he would not have had time to make the hole at the pace that the the Winter Soldier was walking. Like, why is it just yeah. jump? Why is it? And then, why doesn't the Winter Soldier just hop in the damn hole to find Fury?
1: Oh, that too. It's like, <laughs> what are the odds? Did they actually step, or did he land on a manhole cover and then just cut that and go down? No. I mean, when the heck did they bring in his lightsaber? <laughs> <laughs> and if they. I swear to you, it would have been so cool, and it, prob- it would have made my top three if he- when he hit that thing, and it had a little purple hue to it.
0: Oh. <laughs> See, that would have been way too on the nose. It's bad enough that Peter Parker references Star Wars films, but doesn't recognize Mace Windu in his part of his universe.
1: Oh, I never even knew that. That's <laughs> <See>, That's hard. <laughs> That makes sense. But yeah, that was a huge problem for me, because if he's just what grounding through dirt and asphalt and all that stuff, I yeah. mean, it's, it's a little mini lightsaber. It's got to be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's got to be Stark deck. Yes. Yeah.
1: But even if it's a like, yeah, it's, it's crazy. But yeah, he should have just like, all right, I know where he's at just put a missile down there and kaboom.
0: <laughs> yeah, because there's another scene that happens where I, I think you bring up the fact that there's a chase that happens and somebody just lets somebody else get away. And you're like, oh, where'd they go? And he's looking over, like, an entire, like, street scene. This this is just a hole in the ground. You, there's nowhere else he can hide. You go in, you look left or right. He's one of the two.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Uh, Steve goes back to his apartment to find his pretty neighbor, Kate, going to do laundry. He offers to let her use his machine. <laughs> but she says she just spent a lot of time in the disease world of the hospital. Oh, that got weird. And doesn't want to pass any sickness to Steve. She tells him that he left his stereo on. That's a cute neighbor. I wonder if that'll be an awkward situation later.
1: Well, uh, yeah, it was so almost to the point where it says, yeah, well, we'll have to, you know, I'll make sure I keep my distance. Oh, don't keep your distance too far.
0: Yeah, it's like, what game are you <laughs> playing, woman? Steve hears music as he cautiously enters his house grabbing his shield for protection he finds an injured Fury sitting on his couch out loud Fury says his wife kicked him out but he shows Steve through text on his phone that anybody could be listening before he can say anything else Fury is shot three times Steve looks out the window for the shooter Fury hands him the flash drive and tells him not to trust anybody. The neighbor comes in armed with a gun. What the hell, Kate? She's Agent 13 of S.H.I.E.L.D., and she tends to Fury. Steve runs after the sniper. Steve smashes through the walls, like Juggernaut, to catch up with the assassin outside. He throws his shield at him, and the sniper catches it with one swift move in his left hand, then throws it back to Steve like a frisbee. Steve catches the shield and is shoved back a little bit, looks up only to find the assassin has disappeared. The dude caught the shield. He's got a robo arm. (laughs) This guy's amazing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm willing to bet when that happened, that was just like a big jaw drop in the theater.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's so much in this scene that makes you just go, what the hell, what the hell, what the hell? First. If you don't notice it, the song playing on Steve's radio is the last song you hear in Endgame.
1: You know what? There's a lot of things that we mentioned in Endgame. I'm going to need to review a lot of stuff before we watch that movie. It's
0: almost (laughs) like this had the same writers. Oh, it did. Uh, (laughs) The text conversation is amazing. Fury sharing all secrets of Steve and confirming Steve's fears about S.H.I.E.L.D. They both are in a position where they can't trust anybody. And... I kind of love that. I kind of like this is good. Now you got everybody trying to band together in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. And uh, whoa, Fury got bl- Fury got not once, twice, but three times.
1: Um, he didn't get blasted from anyone. He got completely assassinated. <laughs> <laughs> what the heck is this guy made of? I mean, those were some serious bullet shots. I mean, you can even hear from Samuel Jackson just. How he takes it? Yeah, he took that like a champ.
0: And then we find out Kate is shield. I mean, the, you get f- like three or four surprises within a two minute span of time, and at that time, as an audience member, like I don't know what the hell's going on anymore.
1: Yeah, it would that that was a huge drop, and I'm surprised that kind of happened so soon.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah, but uh, any any other things you want to talk about in this scene?
1: <laughs> well, when he kind of catches that uh, shield, yes, that was jaw dropping. That was really awesome. Um, and then he kind of runs and jumps off the building. Why not go after him? I mean, why not jump off the building to see where he could have gone? I mean, well, he does look. Going, he does look. It could have been it. about five seconds or something like that. Why not go chase him? What's stopping you right there? Well, he does look over and He can't find him. Oh, stop it. Super Soldier, Super Sight. Oh, Super Sight. Like this well, now you're from, adding things uh, to
0: his abilities here. He's not an I'm eagle.
1: Not I'm not adding. I'm just telling you, telling you what's there. When is When have you ever seen him use Super soldier, Sight? Everything is amplified.
0: When have you ever seen him use Super Sight?
1: Oh, it would be a good spot to use it right there. <laughs>
0: Natasha meets up with Steve at the hospital where they watch doctors operating on Fury. Agent Hill joins them. The doctors try to revive him, but Fury flatlines and they call in his death. Now, for me, uh, watching Black Widow react to the surgery, he really makes me believe that their relationship is very father-daughter-ish. And we better get some backstory of that in the Black Widow movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, I agree. That was uh, that was really neat, and it was again another sombering note. I think the last time we had this sombering note in the film is when Steve went to take, um, talk to Peggy. Yeah. So then they had the action. Now they're coming back to this. This was really sombering. I it, thought this was uh, to me. I thought this was the end of Nick Fury for sure.
0: Yeah. And is it too early to say that of all the characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? the most underused and underrated character in the whole thing is Maria Hill.
1: I don't know. Um, I mean,
0: she's there for
1: everything. Yeah. Where was she? Why wasn't she always on, you know, in New York with always Nick Fury, you always saw her side by side. I guess it was everything after this movie. Yeah. You saw her side by side, maybe because of this scene or this incident that happened to Nick Fury. Oh, I need to stay next to him
0: all the time. Good question. She's like the Lando Calrissian of this series. Like everybody goes, here's your main cast, but they never include Lando, even though he's been there the whole damn time. (laughs) (laughs)
1: No, i agree yeah
0: when they do the you know <clears throat> I, honestly steve i would not have minded if they had said instead of the original six avengers it was the original eight and they included fury and hill
1: yeah i guess well yeah nick's the one pulling all the strings he's the one who creates the avengers initiative yeah, yeah. i agree with that
0: okay afterwards natasha asks steve wh- why fury was in his apartment he claims to not know right as rumlow tells him they need ben need him back at shield Natasha calls Steve a bad liar, and they separate. And we see that Steve hid Fury's flash drive behind a pack of gum in the vending machine. And my first thought was, did Steve really just hide that in one of the most accessible places on the planet? I mean, sorry, brother, that's just dumb. You don't hide it behind bubble gum. You hide it behind sun chips. Nobody buys those. I like sun chips, man. Okay, except for this Steve, not the Steve in the movie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, you know what? They are pretty close in one of the same.
0: But they're literally just two packs back in the vending machine. Like, nobody's going to buy bubble gum out of this thing. Do
1: you buy bubble gum out of a vending machine?
0: Well, if I that's saw a vending machine, that, I would.
1: No. Agreed. <laughs> you shouldn't have put it behind the bubble, you put, bubble gum. You should have put it behind something bigger so you couldn't even see anything of that USB. You turn your head to the side and say, oh, that's peculiar.
0: Yeah, it's literally sticking out the side. Yeah. No. Steve clearly is not up to date on the spy game. I it hope is. he meets somebody in this movie that's good at it. I don't know. We'll uh, find out. Yeah. At the Triskelion, he is questioned by Pierce, who says he is one of Fury's oldest friends and wants to know who killed him. Rogers does not trust Pierce and says nothing about the USB or the circumstances of Fury's death, merely reiterating that Fury said not to trust anyone. He leaves Pierce to go to the hospital. And, I again, this movie is great. It is fantastic at making the audience wonder who to trust. Redford isn't someone you'd ever suspect of steering you down the wrong path. He's that he's never been that character. Really? Maybe fury was really bad. I don't know who to trust Steve.
1: No, I agree. Especially I started to get this feeling back when, um, fury told Redford's character to delay project insight. Mm -hmm. And he just kind of went, okay. I was just like, something screwy here.
0: <laughs> there it is
1: <laughs> but then and this scene too yeah you didn't know if it was fury who was bad and you i really got confirmed of it when he's during that whole scene before Samuel Jackson gets shot you can't trust anybody and literally you can't trust anybody you don't even know if you could trust fury steve anybody yeah. i don't know
0: yeah uh he gets in an elevator steve rogers gets oh, in an elevator and Rogers is joined by Rumlow and several strike operat- operatives. And soon he realizes they're there to capture him. He fights the attackers and successfully knocks them all out before jumping out of the elevator to avoid arrest. After landing, he drives away on his motorcycle and disables an attacking Quinjet. Now, you got to put your comic book hat on for this, but I'm sorry, the elevator scene is one of the coolest. And most iconic scenes in the MCU. If Captain America had a highlight reel, this is one of the main shot, uh, main shots in it. And it starts off with one of the best delivered lines ever in the MCU, which is simply,
2: "Before we get started, does anyone want to get out?"
0: I, I'm sorry. It, this is brilliant. <laughs> what do you think, Steve? Um.
1: Yeah, I thought it was really neat. God, that would have been. Oh, it's just that that line sends a little <laughs> chills through me. Um, I thought this scene was great on how it developed, how Cap gets in there. He's by himself and a couple other guys get in there. Yeah. Then a couple more. It just builds and builds. And once like the last huge brute thugs kind of come <laughs> on, they're like, all right, I know it's probably going to happen. And the suspense is just killing you as an audience member. Um, so that was awesome that is good storytelling and good directing on how to build up that scene
0: yeah and he has an inkling that there's something up with shield but now you're saying there's something bigger happening to shield now what the hell uh
1: yeah everything's compromised
0: steve he beat all of them with one hand basically
1: pretty much because that was a (laughs) a magnetic handcuff that had him uh tied down man that's how good this guy is he's hardly doesn't have great sights well, poor sight He didn't follow anybody. But he <laughs> can beat up all those guys with one hand tied behind his
2: back.
0: Yes! I, and then he gets it off, you know, and it's like, this is me. Okay, this is where I know you're going to have a problem. The minute he jumps out of the elevator to when he destroys the Quinjet, knocks this movie down a half letter grade for me. <laughs> I mean, it's awesome, but it's a massive, a, a massive leap of faith
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes sir um yeah him using his shield kind of defies physics how he lands on it and furthermore throughout the scene um it's kind of ongoing throughout the movies okay so when he jumps out of the building yes all right so boom lands <laughs> um he gets up a little gingerly it's the superness in him okay i get it um but that was it and no effects from falling sixty stories. Yeah. Not even a slight limp afterwards. Just a couple cringes. Okay. Then he gets to the garage, and at this time, I can't remember the agent's name. He's been in through a couple of films. Bald head, glasses. Who's kind of controlling things. Oh, kind of Jasper Sitwell. Jasper. Yeah. Uh, yes, Jasper. Um, he's the one who says, "Close the gar-. He's going for the garage. Or, "Close the door. Close the door." You know, right. he's expediting that. So he gets to the garage. He finds his motorcycle. He puts his helmet on. Yes. I mean. Hopefully he knew where his motorcycle was at, you know, in those car garages, you know, you're always asked to take a picture of where your stuff's at, but I don't know. Maybe it's that super serum, super memory. Anyways, he oh, starts Jesus. up his bike, he jumps through the closing door, and all that probably happens in about 15 seconds. Away. Yes. Now I'll tell you, it doesn't. It takes me quicker to close my garage door <laughs> than okay. it is for that one.
0: Now I thought um, about this. Yes. This is Shield, okay? Their garage doors are probably a little thicker than yours. I agree. They're probably very heavy to withstand any type of attack. Agreed. So they're going to take longer to close anyway.
1: Well, that's okay. But wouldn't they have, like, a bigger garage door opener with more power to shut these things? I'm being nitpicky. Yeah. I get it.
0: <laughs> no, but you're not. Because here's the thing. I think we can both agree on it. That when he falls out of that damn building, I get yeah. that the shield he lands on can absorb vibration but that's not what hurts you on a fall it's not the vibration of your bones it's the fall that yeah. hurts you um yeah so but th- and then <laughs> the whole thing with him jumping on the plane like i watched it this time and i was like this is Die hard five mm-hmm. yes or Die Hard four i mean the, 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 this is the f-15 moment <laughs> i guess listen I know it's a comic book movie, but if he has no weaknesses, he's fucking Superman.
1: That's true. That's almost about as crazy as one uh, film before, or a couple of films before we saw Hemdall take out a, yes. take out a, a jet or whatever, a plane.
0: He, yeah, Thor the Dark World. He jumps on a, a massive spaceship and with a sword, destroys that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, well, your boy, your bald boy, Jasper Sitwell, he orders S.H.I.E.L.D. agents to be on the lookout for Steve. Agent 13 demands to know why they're issuing a manhunt for Captain America. Pierce comes into the room and brands him a fugitive for withholding information on Fury's death. Rogers arrives later at the hospital where he notices that the USB is gone. Natasha Romanoff appears from behind and reveals that she had taken it, and he angrily asks her what she knows about all that has happened. She tells him that the masked man is an assassin known as the Winter Soldier, and she had encountered him once before. She decides to follow Rogers on his quest to figure out what the hell is going on.
1: This is why you don't put a USB behind gum. (laughs)
0: Yes!
1: (laughs) First off. How did she what did was she happening to get something out of the vending machine and then she sees that? They should have shown that. Well I'm sorry. It
0: was sticking because out.
1: She, <laughs> I it doesn't matter. <laughs> you don't know to look at the vending machine for any reason other than getting something out. If she was just like at the hospital or wherever, going to and maybe they show a scene where she's visiting Nick or whatever. Yeah. And then she leaves and it's like, Oh, I'm gonna go to the vending machine, put in a number, get something, and then just happens to see something sticking out. That would have been better. Mm-hmm. She has no reason to go there.
0: Unless she wanted some bubble gum, which she's I chewing. Get,
1: I get that. But, I mean, it's like...
0: That coincidence is way too much for you?
1: It was, because she left behind... Yeah, I don't know. They See, should have shown something I like go,
0: that. I look at it as, she is the ultimate spy. And she probably notices things that most of us don't always pay attention to. And if she's in there and she's like, you know, oh, shit. Fury died. I'm bummed out. You know, a little mourning, a little. Huh? huh, I need a little comfort food. She goes the vending machine. What the hell is that? Oh, I'm gonna grab a couple pieces of bubble gum, get that thing, and uh, figure out what the hell's going on. Just saying. I know. Uh, She mentions that the (laughs) Winter Soldier's been around for 50 years. That's quite a timeline. Good lord. Yeah. Is he a super soldier too? Hmm. Could be. Yeah, and we get a massive data dump here. So. Oh yeah, yeah. And
1: there is some, there is some serious sexual tension between those two. Between who? Him. Between uh, Cap, between Steve and Black Widow. Really? Because she's like, he takes her, puts her up against the wall, talking awfully close to her, and she's almost just like she's continuing telling her, but she's got a little slyness, almost like she kind of likes it. Well, I don't know. It just seemed like there was some sexual innuendo kind of going on between those
0: two maybe that was something they were going to play with eventually if it if it worked right with the audiences
1: yeah i agree and i liked it so yeah
0: uh pierce meets with the world security council members again defending fury as a martyr though they believe he was killed for trying to cover up his own illegal dealings they all opt to reactivate project insight meanwhile steve and natasha hey let's go to the apple store (laughs) to see if they can access any of the valuable information on the USB and help pay for some of the things on their movie. But they, as Fury did, find nothing. However, they are able to trace the location where the program on the USB was written. Rumlow and his team arrive and try to find them, but fail to do so. This movie, sponsored by Apple.
1: Product placement. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Uh, Nine minute timeline. Amazing how cool it is that that a MacBook has the app to read this data. (laughs) I wonder
1: if that was put in there so that they can boost up their MacBook sales.
0: Perhaps. (laughs) Uh, I like the fact that during the scene, you see Natasha taking the lead. She knows how to deal with the situation better than Steve does. Uh, She's teaching him how to be a spy. I mean, the kiss on the escalator is great. This is is where we see how cool, under pressure, Natasha really is. This is as much her movie as it is his.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the whole... Doing things in the heat in the heat of the moment or spontaneously, she's awesome at. Mm-hmm. But when you, I'm sorry, <laughs> I got a beef with this part because they're just doing all out PDA. Yeah. And she does that so that nobody can notice them. But if you're walking around and you see two people just kind of making out or something like that, obvious in-your-face PDA, that's you 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 notice that. Okay. Maybe maybe it's just me. It draws your attention as a me i would just be like oh god you know play, people get a room you know something like that so do you but stare at them or do you, you look away me. i look at it but then i'm just like, no do
0: oh, you gosh. do you do you take in their visuals me like okay let me just stare at them for a while while they're doing this or do you kind of go oh i noticed that okay that's where i'm gonna look away from that i don't need that in my life
1: it draws my attention
0: plus they're on an escalator so it's a passing thing
1: mm-hmm. it yeah. still draws my it draws my attention And the whole thing of what they're supposed to do Uh, is not draw attention. Because they even
0: do that when they're walking.
1: says, go ahead, put your arm around, put put my head down. And then they just laugh. That's something a little bit more incognito. Okay, here's
0: what I want you to do. The next time you're out with the wife, I want you to just start making out someplace and then look up fast and see how many people are not looking at you.
1: Okay, first off, the fact that I can get out and do something with that with my wife, few and far between.
0: (laughs) Doesn't matter.
1: Because we're so so busy. (laughs) But...
0: (laughs) I'm going to tell you, you're going to see nothing about the backs of people's heads because they're like, I don't need to see that.
1: Actually, I might be like, you know, video sense Like, oh, look at this gross couple just making out out in the mall. (laughs) Next thing you know, I'm trending negatively.
0: We have to agree to disagree on this one. Uh, I agree. Steve and Natasha drive where the signal pointed, ending up at an abandoned military base. Steve recognizes it as his old training base in New Jersey, and he briefly envisions his former smaller self running past him. He and Natasha enter the facility, which is discovered to be an original S.H.I.E.L.D. office. They find framed portraits of Howard Stark and Peggy, along with Colonel Chester Phillips. Steve looks behind a bookshelf and uncovers a room full of computers. The only modern type of technology in the room is a small port for the flash drive. Natasha inserts it and activates a computer. A German voice speaks and analyzes the two, and the voice belongs to none other than Red Skull's accomplice, Arnim Zola. He transferred his consciousness into a computer once his body failed him because of a disease. Holy hell. Zola tells the duo that his and Red Skull's group, Hydra, was formed on the belief that humanity could not be trusted with its own freedom. And after the war, S.H.I.E.L.D. recruited him and other Hydra operatives where they conspired against their new employers. He reveals that they were directly responsible for targeting people such as the president, along with causing the car accident that killed Howard and Maria Stark. Zola adds that a missile is heading for their location in less than 30 seconds. Steve and Natasha jump into a hole as the missile hits, destroying the computers. And Steve protects himself and Natasha as the place crumbles. Rumlow and his goons search the place to make sure there are no survivors. Yeah. Um, I love the fact that she has sin on the way to there. Was that your first kiss since 1945? <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: that's kind of a dig he must have been a bad kisser
0: <laughs> <laughs> and they're searching the base and it goes from light to dark real fast
1: oh yeah I I guess because I didn't really even notice that
0: it's either so. an editing issue or it's a big base takes yeah, a while to search Uh, the that fake munitions building that they go into that shows up in Endgame again mm-hmm.
1: uh. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna I didn't I don't know about that. So it, <laughs> no, yeah, I agree. I know. I remember seeing that.
0: Yeah. Uh so hold on. So if nobody's been down there, how did a USB port get there? I mean, it looks like it looks damn new. it's new. Did Fury do this? Is this Fury's doing? What do you think? I
1: believe so. That's the first thing I thought of is that somebody's down there messing with something to put all this stuff down there and they needed some kind of modern technology, but yeah, maybe it was Fury's all part of the plan type thing
0: well and i'm now remembering right now that alexander pierce says later on in the next scene actually he says i've already sacrificed arnim zola and you're like okay so pierce clearly knows about the computer guy down there also so maybe he put that down there
1: yeah maybe
0: yeah uh the this is this is the now i know in in iron man 2 that's when you fell in love with black widow this is where i fall in love with her which, when, yeah. when she gets to the computer, she goes, "Shall we play a game?" <laughs> <laughs> she's a nerd. <laughs> she's seen War Games, and she's she, uh, apparently she's thirty years old.
1: <laughs> Did the yeah, math. That, that, and, that works. I've I never seen War Games, so I don't
0: know. <gasps> You've never seen War Games. Oh, I'm Steve, uh, <laughs> I'm putting it on the list. Okay. Uh, We find out that Hydra is behind everything. I mean, what a great villain. It's still an organization. Love that. And uh, this is this. This, JC, is where Steve first links Hydra to the death of Howard and Marie Stark. Yes. This is the moment. Uh, He doesn't know yet that Bucky was behind any of it, though. Yes. So we got to remember that because it's going to come up in Civil War
1: no yeah i agree it was really quick it was a really quick montage i think correct me if i'm wrong but it showed howard starks like in a newspaper and then it showed nick fury correct
0: right 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 yeah how about you anything about this you want to take away on it
1: um this whole when they finally got down there it was a really slow scene for me because and it was very very content heavy so it's like all right you better focus because Again, there is probably still some things in this scene that I even still missed that I probably would appreciate later later on. But it's very, very content heavy. Not bad, not bad that it's a slow part, but right. it's slow. But yeah, I'll tell you, when you're going to watch this, you better be paying attention and make sure that you got your popcorn off to the side or something. Because compared to, you really got to gotta pay attention.
0: I think what you're saying is compared to other Marvel movies, this is definitely slower.
1: Yes. Yeah. Which kind of makes sense because, you know, in the beginning you mentioned it's kind of like got that political thriller kind of feel. And with that, you need a lot of dialogue to kind of explain people's stances and whatnot. So, no, mm-hmm. I get it. Um, the like, old computer system. Yeah, Zola. Just seemed ex- it just seemed extremely advanced for having it look the way it looks. Um, I thought even Zola could even rival Jarvis in terms of an <laughs> AI system.
0: Okay. Now. <laughs> I am, I'm just putting this together right now. So d- just bear with me as I work through the chemistry of this thing, this idea to rationalize this. Okay. Okay. So when in Age of Ultron, which we're going to do now, uh, after Guardians of the Galaxy, um, we find out that Ultron is created by using um, the power of the, I want to say, the Mind Stone that's in the yes. Scepter. Yes. And they transferred Jarvis into Ultron that way. Now, if that's the case, keep in mind, Zola had access to the Tesseract. So he had some otherworldly power to transfer his consciousness into the computer. Mm -hmm. Does that does that hold water? Mm, a little bit. I okay, guess.
1: that would kind of make sense on why, you know, Ultron is the way he is.
0: Although wait, the scepter is in Shield's hands. Shield has the scepter.
1: Are you talking about the post-credit at the end of the film? Yeah. Oh, that's Shield? Oh, I thought well, that was part of the Hydra. Well, the shield, is Hydra. The shield is Hydra. Shield is Hydra now. Oh, that that's true. That's true. Okay, I got you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: So they used that they used that to do the same thing. The mind stone. It moved the Oh my god. That's it. It moved the mind of Zola to the computer. The mm-hmm. mind stone. Holy hell. Five
2: I didn't block. even notice that.
0: Holy hell. And to think Steve didn't even need a a, 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 a or not Steve, a, Tony Stark didn't even need the stone to be able to do that. He's just that damn smart. Uh-huh. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh. Just Let's just keep pouring praise on Robert Downey Jr. Okay. (laughs) In his home, Alexander Pierce bids goodbye to his housekeeper, Renata, just as the Winter Soldier appears in the kitchen. He never speaks a word. Pierce starts to talk to him when Renata comes back to get her phone. Remarking that he wishes she'd knocked, Pierce shoots her twice because she's seen him and the Winter Soldier talking. Uh uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Turns out Pierce is bad. (laughs) Oh, wait. So... So did Fury really do all those things that Pierce said? Or do we believe that's all Pierce? I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know either. It was it was re- all I know that it solidified my stance on Pierce and that he's, he's bad, 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 bad Pierce.
0: Yeah, and I'm sorry. I love good camera tricks, but <laughs> that's f***ing Bucky, okay? That shadow was very poorly done.
1: <laughs> oh, were they really trying to hide him
0: well they're trying to hide the bottom part of his face so they give you like the eyes and they're supposed to give you just the eyes really but they gave you the eyes and the nose and like half of his lip and you're like i know who that is
1: oh well, that was maybe their way of saying the audience knows but yeah i guess so i don't know um i forgot about bucky this whole time like <laughs> on who the winter soldier might be so when i finally saw this i was like Oh, that's Buck, Oh, oh, they're bringing him back. I completely forgot about that, yeah, um because I wasn't shoehorned in my brain that he was a <laughs> character that I needed to even remember, and I think we talked about that when we did um the first Avenger, yep, um I missed that surprise, um, and I didn't find out that it was really Bucky until it was the flashbacks.
0: oh like, he- maybe
1: because of the long hair, I didn't really recognize him from that okay. scene, All right. I just still saw him as the villain, so. I just, yeah, I just thought it was just another villain in the shadows. And you're a villain guy. Well, kudos, I don't know, maybe that's what they wanted to do.
0: Yeah, and again, not to to pour gasoline on this fire, but who's to say that the Winter Soldier is even the villain in this movie?
1: Oh, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, who knows? I think there's multiples.
0: Yeah. Steve and Natasha hide out at Sam's home, knowing they can trust him. Natasha expresses remorse over her involvement with Hydra agents. Sam decides to use a military project called Falcon to help them. When he asks Steve and Natasha if they can retrieve the item for him, they scoff, saying, it'll be easy.
1: How did they find civilians, Sam?
0: I can only imagine that, you know, Captain America figured out where his group was. Surely he knew where he was living.
1: Well, Captain America also said stop by the VA." Yeah. So he just went to the VA. I don't think he really found him. He just kind of watched the
0: building. Well, well the VA probably has there. his address on file. Well, that's when they go
1: freely give that information out to anybody.
0: It's Captain America. I understand? <laughs> Who, if there's anybody They're you can still, trust, it would be him. <laughs> uh, Check I love <laughs> Uh This is great because you can see Black Widow is getting her wake-up call at the exact same time as Steve. Mm-hmm. In fact. Yeah. I dare say, if this movie was called Captain America and Black Widow, I would not have complained.
1: Yeah, i am be curious on how much of screen time each person got. Obviously, I think it would go a nod to Captain America, but I'll tell you, without Black Widow, it's got to be really close to that.
0: Yeah, and when he hands over his resume, I know I was—I knew who, what they were going to do with this. I was like, yay, here we go. Uh, <laughs> Falcon's resume and conversation in this entire part, it moves the movie back up a half grade again.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think you might have had a one up because of your knowledge of uh, comics and all that stuff. But I had no idea yeah. what Sam was, what he was going to be. Um, so I just at that point, I still wasn't bought into Sam. I wasn't sold yet. It See, was um, it was just kind of a way of like, oh, you guys are doing some cool stuff. I think I want to kind of get back into it. You know, this yeah. is what I can bring to the table. And I was like, what the heck is Falcon? I didn't I didn't put that click together. So okay. maybe that was something that I missed. If I would have known that maybe going in, I probably would have appreciated it a little bit better. But I just wasn't sold on him as an actual hero yet.
0: Well, don't worry, because the scene's coming up here. Back Mm -hmm. in D.C., Jasper Sitwell (laughs) walks away from meeting Senator Stern. Before they part ways, Stern leans in and whispers to Sitwell, Hail Hydra. Sam calls Sitwell's phone and orders him to walk to a car to meet with him and his friends. The heroes take Sitwell up to the roof of a tall building. Steve holds Sitwell over the edge, threatening to drop him, but Sitwell knows this isn't Steve's style, and Steve agrees, and lets Natasha kick Sitwell off the roof. Moments later, Sam in his Falcon jetpack suit with wings flies up to the roof holding Sitwell. The now-terrified traitor confesses that Zola created an algorithm to locate certain people around the world based on the personal facts or data. He name-drops Tony Stark, Bruce Banner, and a Dr. Stephen Strange? The targets are picked based on their past actions. Sitwell realizes that Pierce may very well kill him. Now, I don't care what J.C. or you say. Camp is amazing in this movie, but he's enhanced by the company he keeps.
1: (laughs) Yeah, again, he's not the... He's changing in this film. Yes. You know, he's not your typical, you know, goody-goody two-shoes anymore. And that's what I didn't like about Cap <laughs> and the Avengers and even probably a little bit of the first Avenger. He's rebelling, and that's kind of what I like.
0: He's so. great at putting together a team. Yes, he is. Uh, and <laughs> even better, it's a team that isn't always on mission because, again, Natasha kicks off, kicks it well off and then, then starts talking about setting him up with another person at work again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: the banter between <laughs> those two is just hilarious and how fluid it seems
0: their chemistry is ridiculously good <laughs> yes. uh and and i'm sorry when falcon grabs it well i was just I, I remember throwing my hands in the air just like yeah there it is
1: yes <laughs> yeah that yeah that was really cool where does he get that jetpack is that just like his own personal thing or is that something the government has and he just goes oh, uh, can i get that or just kind of borrow that for like the weekend or something
0: i don't i have no idea my my guess is he's always had it
1: that Okay, that's yeah. the only thing that I can do, to um, That's
0: my guess. Although they do say, let's see, uh, when Sam asks Steve and Natasha if they can retrieve the item for him, they say it'll be easy. So maybe Sam, maybe Cap and Natasha infiltrated wherever the inf- the, the suit was and t- got it from them.
1: That would have been a cool deleted scene.
0: It would have been, but it would have also made a movie like three and a half hours long.
1: Um, deleted scene. Yeah. Uh,
0: now, they name drop a bunch of people here. They say Tony Stark. They say Bruce Banner. They say Stephen Strange, which that's the first time we hear about Doctor Strange. Yes. The movie hadn't even been announced yet. Um, they say someone in Cairo. And I had to do a little deep digging here, but apparently this is a hero named Moon Knight, who's basically the Batman of this universe.
1: Yeah. Missed that.
0: Yeah. And, D- didn't hear that. <laughs> but then they also say and some high school valedictorian in Iowa City. Now, I have scoured The internet. Nobody knows who this is. This is somebody completely new in the Marvel universe altogether.
1: So is it is it somebody important, or is it somebody that they're just they're they're? This is Marvel's way of throwing something out there to mislead the audience into thinking that it's something that it's actually not.
0: I think that's it because you don't. First of all, it's a pretty specific sentence: a high school valedictorian in Iowa City. Yeah. So, yeah, they, and they, you're right. They throw a lot of info here. And if you're not, these are all Easter eggs.
1: Yeah, I, I guess it was all really too quick because, like, the Cairo thing, I don't remember hearing that. Yeah. The high school valedictory I guess it just went all too quick for me to just ingest. So,
0: Okay. Well, the group heads towards the Triskelion but are attacked by the Winter Soldier and his men. A battle breaks out, and as Captain America and the Winter Soldier fight, the Winter Soldier's mask is torn off, revealing himself as Rogers' former comrade and best friend, Bucky Barnes, who Rogers thought was killed during World War II. When Rogers calls out to him, he does not recognize the name Barnes, and Barnes escapes. And Rogers, Romanoff, and Wilson are taken into custody by Rumlow and his men. While in the prison or sorry, while in the prison van, one of the guards stuns the other guard, revealing herself to be fellow shield and often forgotten Maria Hill. (laughs) Again, the the eighth Avenger. Okay, she then uses a mouse hole to cut a hole in the van and escapes with the gang. I like to call the gang. (laughs) Uh, I love the Winter Soldier versus the trio fight. I, I think it's fantastic. What do you think?
1: Um, it was better choreography, I thought, with the fighting, but there was still, to me, some standout fake fighting. No! (laughs) Ah!
0: Ah, man, you are a hard man to please. (laughs) The knife play's amazing. I mean, it's... Widow gets clipped in this. and There's a a lot of firepower in the... Everyone's got a damn gun.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it was... um... I think the fight, the fighting between your main characters was really good. But if there was anybody else that was kind of involved, like a goon or something, I, that's where I just saw all my fake fighting. Um, yeah. What was the role of Sam? You know, they in the he was just the guy who just stood up at, on the high towers, so to speak, for lack of a better term. I felt like that was kind of a lame role for him. Well, um, just to put somebody in the high ground.
0: I think you put him on the high ground because he can access it. You know, I think we can all agree that Falcon is—he's eh, really just a dude in a suit that can fly. He's not a super soldier, and he's not, you know, Black Widow. You know, he's nope. the—he's the B-lister.
1: Yeah. Now it, when you say he he can access it, is that because he can fly up there? Yeah. Well, did he have a suit this whole that that the yeah. kind of scene? Yeah, he did. Oh, because I think I think when he rolled out of the van. Or am I? Are we not at that scene? Oh no,
0: That's no, like you're no, you're right. He did not have a scene at that, or he did not ha- he didn't have that point. So he's he's basically getting out. Of, I'm sorry, I got my wires crossed to where everybody was here. Uh, Sam is on the high ground mainly because he's got to get out of the harm's way.
1: Yeah, so it's I think he's kind of a not important as of yet.
0: Well, not in this case. He doesn't have his gear. It'd be like yeah. it'd be like having Tony Stark in the band. He'd be useless in this fight. Okay. Yeah. Uh, And uh, now now I got to give a conceit here. Okay. Because of my leap of faith earlier, when he falls out of the building, I can believe this scene to happen when he pops out of the car. I can believe that now. Because if you give in to the conceit, you have to give in with the whole movie. You can't be like, well, only in this scene, but not in this scene. It's got to be consistent. So as crazy, fast, and furious as that scene seemed... Yeah, I have to believe it because they set the rule at the beginning that he can do this.
1: Uh, yeah, that he could just kind of withstand anything like that. No, I agree with that, and I would think that if yeah, the building was a lot more harmful than him busting through or busting out of the van.
0: Yeah, the action scenes are really well done in this movie. It's I think this is where the where the Russo brothers are kind of like testing it all out before they got to Civil War and it just went ball to the wall crazy. Mm-hmm. Um. Maria Hill. She takes the heroes to a secret facility to treat Natasha, but first she shows them Fury lying in bed, very much alive. Fury's alive? Okay, I don't know. I don't know what to believe anymore. I don't <laughs> He survived with an anti-stress serum developed by Banner originally to control his Hulk problem. Uh-oh, Steve, a serum. <laughs> and even better, it's a, de- a serum to lower his heart rate. Yeah, that heart rate is definitely something they're leaning on in the series. That's what it is. Boom. Mic drop. It's like Kevin Feige heard you and said, I got this.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay, you win that one. Which now it makes, now when I kind of flip back and go to the scene where Fury's on the operating table, you know, and they kind of quote unquote dies. Doesn't, like, the doctor inject something into his neck or something like that? Yes. I w- so that's got to be that so-called anti-serum.
0: Yes. Uh, uh, and the doctor working on Black Widow is director Joe Russo.
1: Yeah, I didn't even know that one. Yeah,
0: who's also in Endgame. In, he's the one that shares in Captain America's group circle. I'm just wondering if these are the same oh, character, yeah. if he plays the same character in both, universe, uh, both movies.
1: That's interesting, yep. Yeah.
0: Uh, within a bank the hydra agents work to fix the winter soldier's metal arm after his fight with steve he has brief flashbacks to his old life from the fall he took to the moment he was recovered by zola and the hydra agents his left arm was amputated and replaced with the bionic metal arm when he began to freak out zola had him sedated and later put on ice pierce comes in praising the winter soldier's work and asking him to come back to do it again winter soldier asks about steve claiming to know him Pierce orders the agents to get him back to his original killing mindset. And this is where we really get our first glimpse into both Bucky's conflicted mind and how people have screwed with it for 50 years. In this scene, you can see there's a good person there. I mean, Bucky is good. He's just been f***ed with. I mean, I feel bad for him. How about you?
1: No, I completely agree. I really pitied him and just like, man. He could be someone who's really good and they're just they're just screwing with him to make him bad. This is just the government's ploy.
0: Yeah. I mean this is where you realize Winter Soldier is not the enemy in this.
1: (laughs) Yep. I agree.
0: When Fury and Natasha are a little more rested, they gather with the other heroes over the fact that Project Insight is set to launch within hours. The helicarriers will form a triangle and lock sights on their targets around the globe. They're not around the globe. They're just over the freaking United States. The people who will be (laughs) targeted run the gamut between very minor and very serious threats to national security. Fury takes out three chips that they will use to override the three helicarrier systems. He turns control over to Steve to give orders. You know... People are always telling me about how Cap, you know, doesn't do anything heroic in these movies or overall. I mean, even though here he both stands up to Nick Fury, something that nobody has done so far, and he sets forth a plan to destroy not just Hydra, but S.H.I.E.L.D. in the process because they're both corrupt. And Nick Fury turns into Cap's right then and there. Cap's the leader, that's what he does.
1: Oh, are you talking to somebody during that one? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Did anybody hear me? I don't know. <laughs> no, I completely agree with that. This was the change. This was the mega change for Steve. Yes, he becomes his leader. And then he says, you know what? We don't know who to trust. Let's just take out everybody. Yep. But now, let's just leave it to this core.
0: We're turning you know, it to right rubble. Here. Later, Rogers recalls how after the death of his parents, Barnes offered him a place to stay so he wouldn't have to cope alone, promising to be there until the end of the line. Wilson warns Rogers that Barnes may not be able to be taken alive, but Rogers vows to save his old friend. As Rogers had lost his suit earlier, that stealth awesome one. He breaks into the Smithsonian and steals his old uniform. Damn it. Uh, back to that <laughs> old like uniform. That it's too bright. I want the stealth one back. It's still, I mean, okay. The bright one is still cool. It's just not as cool.
1: No, it's it's older. Yeah, I get it. And
0: uh, yeah, I
1: don't know what happened to his old suit. What happened to the newer
0: one? Well, he had to dump it because when, they, when he got out of the elevator, everybody's chasing him in that suit. Yeah. Yeah. The next time you see him is when he goes to the hospital. He's in plain clothes.
1: That's right. Okay. And I remember because I saw the lead scene. So that's like some basketball gymnasium. Well, did couldn't he go over there and just get it?
0: Back? I mean, you know, some kid grabbed that and ran off with it. <laughs> uh, Millennials. You get Sam talking to Steve here about uh, oversight, and it's kind of a preview of Tony's conversation with him later about the same issue.
1: Yeah, I agree. You know, it's like. Cap was like, he, to me, felt like he was a little frustrated, wasn't he? Yeah. He was being kept in the dark about something.
0: It's not fair. Ah, sucks, doesn't it? A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. I'm sure Steve is not happy with it. But then again, it turns out he's been kept in the dark about pretty much everything that is his life.
1: Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's not very nice to be kept in the dark or uh, when people don't tell you something that you probably should know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's Talks a bummer. Longer. All right, go ahead. I'm sure that there's a good reason for it. Um, <laughs> don't worry, I've got one. This is now. This is why Steve Rogers is a hero. He's able to do the things that most of us can't do. Nine hundred ninety-nine out of a thousand of us would say kill the guy. Rogers is able to say we can save him. There's still good in him. Now, why do we have a problem with him saying it? But when Luke says it about Darth Vader, we just go with it.
1: Well, um, nine hundred ninety-eight. Um, Padme did see good in Anakin on her deathbed.
0: So. Well played, my young Padawan. <laughs> yeah, just, just throwing that one out there. Yep. And uh, hey, hey, look at that! It's Stan Lee.
1: Oh yeah, he's gonna get fired.
0: <laughs> Don't worry, I'm sure he'll have another job in another movie.
1: Uh, what else is he doing in that? In that? Um museum all you're supposed to do is watch stuff yeah do that it's a smithsonian
0: you got a geriatric running around with a flashlight (laughs) the world security council members arrive at the triskelion guided by pierce he gives them electronic pins that will give them access to anywhere in the building rogers and falcon break into the headquarters cap accesses a mic that patches him through to every speaker he tells the agents of shield that pierce is a traitor who is working with hydra agents and that they must stop project insight from happening Rumlow and his men enter the control room and threaten the Cameron Klein to—threaten Cameron Klein, I don't know why the Cameron Klein, I don't know why it's the Cameron Klein, I don't know what the hell that is—to launch the helicarriers. However, Agent 13 intervenes, beginning a gunfight in a computer room, which never works out well, but Rumlow still manages to get the helicarriers in the air. Steve, so nobody noticed Steve Rogers walking up to the S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters in uniform? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. he's, oh, yeah, that's he's true. wearing They're the highlighter clothes, uniform like,
1: <laughs> what's he doing there
0: people are like going huh? something screwy here <laughs> yeah and you know props to agent 13 for stepping up and major props to the poor desk level guy who says no to rumlow also i mean that that's balls right there somebody get that guy a gun
1: See, and I think it goes back to why Cap is a hero and why he's such a leader. With him speaking the way he does over the mic, he is convinced people who are working there that something's wrong, something's off, what you believed in the entire time or how some things are corrupt, he's got them on their side now. So, yeah, yeah, yeah kudos to him. But, yeah, the firefight in the uh, computer room in close quarters, <laughs> that should have been over in in less than a minute because everything's so close quarter. And unless they're all stormtroopers. Yeah. You
0: know. <laughs> well, even if they... Okay, let's just say that they were all stormtroopers. They, they were all missing all the time. They're hitting the computers they need to launch this stuff. I mean, <sighs> I mean,
1: unless it's the same technology that's in the, in Nick Fury's in van, SUV? I guess you got to go with it.
0: <laughs> okay, now I'm going to read the rest of this whole thing because it does quick cuts between the scenes. So if you ever All want right. me to stop, you just holler. All right. Okay. Cap and Falcon make their way to the helicarriers as the Hydra agents shoot at them. Cap gets the first chip into one helicarrier, while Falcon flies around avoiding getting shot. He manages to get a heat-seeking missile that was aimed at him to hit a helicarrier to give him an entrance, allowing him to place the second chip there. Maria Hill, meanwhile, monitors their progress while fighting off Hydra agents trying to kill her. Pierce tries to convince the world security members to join him in support of Project Insight, making it sound like a peaceful effort to subdue potential attacks around the world. He hands Councilman Singh a glass of champagne, but Singh refuses to join him and tosses the glass. Pierce pulls out a gun and aims it at Sing, but Councilwoman Hawley kicks Sing away, then takes down the other Hydra goons in the room before taking the gun. What the hell? She removes her disguise to reveal that she is Natasha Romanoff. What, What? Her backup comes when Fury steps out of a helicopter to Pierce's surprise. Knowing Pierce probably changed the retinal scan, Fury removes his eye patch to reveal his scarred dead eye, to override Project Insight along with Pierce, as they are the only two agents of the highest degree needed for that. Pierce sets off the pins he gave the council members, which burn deeply into each member's sternum. He threatens to set off Natasha's, forcing her to walk out with him. Natasha activates it herself, burning herself, but not as badly as the others were burned. Fury shoots Pierce twice, killing him. His last words are, Hail Hydra. The Winter Soldier is set loose, killing off the shield agents trying to aid Cap and Falcon in taking down the last helicarrier. He rips off Falcon's wing and throws him off the helicarrier. Now he's useless. The Hydra agents begin to lock on their targets with over 700,000 and counting. Whoa. Falcon manages to get his parachute out, leaving him grounded. He runs back into the Triskelion to fight Rumlow. Oh, this ought to be good. Cap confronts Winter Soldier inside the helicarrier, trying to get through to his best friend by reminding him that millions could die. Unwilling to listen, Winter Soldier battles Cap again. Cap runs to grab the chip and replace it, but Winter Soldier swipes it from him. Cap manages to wound both of Winter Soldier's arms, then puts him in a headlock until he releases the chip. Cap rushes to place the chip into the system, but Winter Soldier, Winter Soldier shoots him three times. Three's always the magic number here. Cap still succeeds in installing the chip, calling Hill to override the helicarriers. The targets go offline to the surprise of the dumbfounded Hydra agents. With the systems overridden, Hill has the helicarriers open fire upon each other. One helicarrier crashes into a dam beneath the Triskelion. The second crashes through the Triskelion, catching Rumlow in the destruction, and Sam runs like hell out the window as Natasha and Fury fly their chopper in time to catch him. I'm going to stop right here and just say... That was a hell of a catch with the helicopter.
1: Yeah, that was a pretty incredible scene (laughs) right
0: there. I haven't seen something like that since The Matrix. Oh, yeah. Oh,
1: good callback.
0: Yeah. The third helicarrier continues to fall with Cap and Winter Soldier inside. Cap chooses not to fight his friend, dropping a shield out of the helicarrier. Winter Soldier mercilessly punches him repeatedly across the face, even as Cap chooses to stick it out with him until the end. Before he delivers the fatal blow... Winter Soldier looks at Cap with hesitance, almost as if he is starting to remember. The helicarrier crashes, throwing Cap out and sending him into the water below. He slips into unconsciousness, but not before seeing a hand reaching out for him. Winter Soldier drags Cap to the shore before walking away for good. In the aftermath, Steve recovers in a hospital as Marvin Gaye's Trouble Man plays. He wakes up to hear the music, and Steve looks at Sam and says on your left oh. yeah we also see agent 13 at a shooting range agent hill about to undergo a lie detector test at stark industries senator stern getting arrested and rumlow being treated by doctors still alive but terribly burnt natasha is brought to a hearing to answer for her ties to shield she defends herself by saying that even if they want to put her in an institution uh, they could not because the council members know they need her and her allies. Um, I lost my way there. Okay. She coolly walks away. Meanwhile, Fury gets rid of any trace of this existence, including his passports and eye patch, burning them for good. Steve... I love the montage at the end of Trouble Man. If things are changing in our superhero world, they become more cynical and calculating. I feel like they could continue with another two movies involving this very same type of tone. What about you?
1: No, I agree. I think it was really cool towards the end, um, before they showed Natasha going apart, going in front of the government in that panel, just showing where everybody's at. The only one that I kind of really didn't like was, um, what's his name, who was uh, burnt to a crisp. Oh, Rumlow. Uh, he should not have been alive at that whole time because there's, <laughs> I just think that he should, not only would he have be been burnt, he would have been crushed by all that rubble. Just that that part kind of bothered me, the fact that, oh, okay, now he's still alive.
0: I think the so, only reason they kept him alive was because I think fans would have been pissed off if they'd never gotten a chance to see who Crossbones ends up being.
1: Yeah. But, you know, you can't have Brock but,
0: Rumlow and not have him turn into Crossbones before he dies. I guess. Yeah, but you're right. It's Unless he has super serum in him too. You know your serum analogy. You, know, you like that.
1: Now you're getting a little too much with the super serum. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, Fury meets Steve and Sam at a cemetery at his own grave. On the headstone are Fury's name and the words, The Path of the Righteous Man. <laughs> Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Fury tells Sam and Steve that if anybody asks for him, they only need to come here to his grave. So this is the end for Fury? I mean, it seems like this is the end for Fury, Steve.
1: Yeah, he doesn't seem like his normal self, does he?
0: No. I mean, it sounds like, it almost sounds like he's retiring.
1: Yeah. Did he even, Did they even say, like, where he would be going or something, or just kind of dropping off the face of the Earth, retiring?
0: I, I'm guessing a spaceship with Skrulls. I don't know.
1: You know, I would have thought that he would have gone to, like, some <laughs> beach area. And uh, just kind of sipping on a pina colada somewhere—that'd have been—that just seemed like what he was gonna dip- go do.
0: Like on a spaceship with the Skrulls? <laughs> well, if
1: that happened to happen, then so <laughs> be it. <but. laughs>
0: Fury leaves as Natasha arrives to tell the guys this is Fury's way of saying thank you. She hands Steve a file that he wanted, then suggests he ask out Agent Thirteen, whose name is really Sharon Carter. But he doesn't put that together yet because again, he's a leader, not the brains. Steve yeah. looks at the file which concerns Bucky and his winter soldier transformation Sam realizes that Steve is going to look for Bucky Steve tells him he didn't have to go with him and Sam replies I know when do we start
1: go ahead Joe I know you love that scene
0: <laughs> I, okay I so badly want a cap in Falcon movie uh, he, he says that last line and I am, I am on board I'm ready to go on the next mission with them right now I could do another half hour now
1: yeah, that it was really cool to see the relationship develop. Um, Cap and Falcon, yes, awesome, awesome duo. Love. Mm-hmm. Them. I still think that they're less than Iron Man and War Machine.
0: I think firepower, po- firepower wise, yes, but personality wise, I think that they are equal. I think, really? I, I think the loyalty. I actually think the loyalty for Falcon to Cap is stronger than the loyalty from War Machine to Iron Man.
1: I agree with that.
0: Yeah. So but Iron Man and War Machine I think are more powerful, but Cap and Falcon, I think their chemistry their their personal trust and loyalty together is stronger.
1: See, I think that their personalities with uh, Stark and Cheadle, those are beyond awesome because you have the like the crazy witty um yep. Stark and then Don Cheadle's character who's just that militant, you know, person there.
0: Yeah, but he's also uh, he's got he's also got that wit also.
1: He does a little bit, but he's just – he kind of – Don Cheadle's character almost seems like the kind of guy who would just be like Stark and kind of roll his (laughs) eyes type thing. (laughs) Or I think Cap and Falcon, they mesh together well. They have the same ideologies. Yes. Whereas in War Machine and Iron Man, they have some, but there is still confliction within there.
0: So Um, So why do you think Iron Man and War Machine are greater than Cap and Falcon?
1: Well, I, one, the firepower, obviously, is okay. good. Um, and two, I just think that their chemistry is... No, I take that back. Their, Cap and Falcon's chemistry is much more better. They're more of a team team. Um, with uh, Iron Man and War Machine, that's yin and yang. Yeah, you, know, you got the craziness of Tony Stark, and you got the more down-to-earth Don Cheadle, yeah. uh, War Machine. And I think your opposites tend to kind of mesh well and be
0: better together. Okay. All right. Uh, we get a mid credit scene. Baron Wolfgang von Strucker is, and if you've ever watched the gifted, that's important is discussing recent events with a fellow Hydra agent in an underground lab somewhere in Europe. Even though some of their agents have been lost, they have many other followers around the world. They are performing an experiment with secret weapons, including Loki scepter von Strucker guides the agent to the twins Pietro and Wanda Maximoff, also known as Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. They exhibit superpowers of their own. Pietro has superhuman speed, and Wanda has telekinesis, which she uses destructively. Observing them, Von Strucker comments, This is the age of miracles. <laughs> what a tease!
2: <laughs>
1: Yeah, going into this, seeing Loki's scepter was like a... That was a nice little surprise. That had my attention and my hair standing on the back of my neck. And then when I saw the twins, yep. Um, I noticed one can move really, really fast, so he's okay. I, I didn't put the Quicksilver in there. I just think, okay, this is a Flash-type character. Mm-hmm. And then Scarlet Witch is something that you haven't seen yet in the MCU. Right. Where she's very, very wizardly-like and can use telekinesis. And I was more intrigued by her and what her upcoming role was. But I'll tell you, they looked so sedated
0: yes and
1: under and under mind control and the fact that shield slash hydra slash we don't know what the heck's going on (laughs) was really really dangerous so that was pretty cool
0: it should be noted here that they say miracles mainly because they could not use the word mutants at this point because mutants was owned by fox oh interesting and if you if you know anything about quicksilver and scarlet witch they're in the x-men universe
1: I knew knew that Quicksilver was. I didn't know anything about Scarlet Witch.
0: Quicksilver is Magneto's kid.
1: Yes. Yes, I remember that from...
0: And Scarlet uh, Witch, if you read the first comics, the first X-Men comics ever, she is one of Magneto's partners in crime.
1: Yeah, they they seem to fit better in the X-Men mutants thing, better than the superhero Marvel stitch. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I agree.
0: Uh, and then we get a post credit scene, which is Bucky and Winter Soldier, who, or Bucky, the Winter Soldier, walks through the Captain America exhibit at the Smithsonian and comes across the display of himself. And he stares at it pensively. And now, this is a throwaway scene for a lot of people. But I think this is such an important scene in regards to Bucky and the relationship between Steve and Bucky being so strong. It's just a shame it is an afterthought in this movie. <laughs> this is Bucky actively remembering who he was and readying himself to accept that he's been brainwashed by Hydra. Uh, it's a big component to the actions of Captain America in Captain America Civil War. But if you miss the scene, it's one less piece that helps you realize that there may be some reason for why Steve is doing what he's doing.
1: No, I 110 percent agree. I think this is almost on par with the mid credit scene of how important this is. Because this is this, this is when Bucky starts to change.
0: Yeah. Now, oh, yeah. the movie's over. According to the top critics at Rotten Tomatoes, it has a tomato-meter reading of 80%. That's 41 fresh reviews, 10 rotten. The critics, on average, gave this film a 7.26 out of 10. Ooh. Ooh. What Ooh. the hell? The critics' consensus reads, Suspenseful and politically astute, Captain America the Winter Soldier is a superior entry in the Avengers canon and is sure to thrill Marvel diehards. I can't deny that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the audience score, the people, uh, give the average rating of a 4.3 out of 5 with 92% agreeing it's a 3 or higher. So the audience, once again, loves this stuff better than the critics do. But yeah. the movie's over, Steve. Were you entertained? Yes. Even at 2 a.m.,
1: I was entertained. Um, And I know said earlier i don't watch movies like this late at night but i was like not even drowsy at all the entire time i was awake i was entertaining almost the entire time i thought it was great what do you think
0: uh for me yeah 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 i <laughs> i yes 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 if meg ryan was here to give her fake orgasm saying yes yes, yes it, would, it would sound like that i love this movie so much i i was worried about it I talked to you before, and I was like, I was worried about this one. I, but I enjoyed this movie so much, I watched it twice.
1: Oh, please don't tell me you were like Meg Ryan at the end of this film.
0: I may have been. <laughs> <laughs> but let's figure out whether the awards got it right, whether this movie is worth your time or not. Uh, at the Academy Awards, it actually got one nomination for Best Achievement in Visual Effects. But guess what? Out guess what else came out that year, Steve.
1: Yeah, everything.
0: Interstellar. That wins.
1: Yes, hands down, without yeah. an argument.
0: Uh, <laughs> to take a page out of Steve. Yeah, in Interstellar, you didn't see any punches get missed. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> now, at the Saturn Awards, it got nominated for 10 awards. It was nominated for Best Actor, but Chris Pratt from Guardians of the Galaxy won. Do you agree?
1: I don't know, because I... Could I will have a better understanding of this after we review Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. Because as of right now, you literally could probably flip a coin on those two. Okay. I think they were both on par.
0: It was nominated for Best Comic to Film Motion Picture. Guardians of the Galaxy won. Could Captain America have taken that award?
1: Again, I think this could have gone either way um, with just between Captain America and Guardians. Amazing Spider-Man 2, eh, I don't know, and Days of Future Past, where they were just trying to fix everything that they messed up earlier.
0: And Um, they
2: did.
1: (laughs) So, I think... I don't know. I think between Guardians, again, once we review Guardians, I'll get a better idea of that, but literally, you can flip a coin. What do you think?
0: Uh, For me, it's either Captain America the Winter Soldier that takes that spot, uh, or X-Men Days of Future Past. I mean, here's the thing. It's a pretty solid foursome there, if you can look past Amazing Spider-Man 2. Because Days of Future Past is often like, in the top three of the X-Men movies of, time, of all time. Yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy blew everybody's mind when it came out. And Winter Soldier was a tonal shift. So I think if you threw a dart at the dartboard and hit any of those three, you'd be fine.
1: Now, I a question for you. It says that the, it was best comic to film motion picture. Yeah. So are they talking about an actual comic book to the film?
0: No, I think they're just talking about comic book movie.
1: okay yeah then then that was gonna be my rebuttal for x-men days of future past is that an actual comic book out there
0: yeah uh for best director james gunn won for guardians of the galaxy do you think the russo brothers should have gotten this or do you think it should have rightly gone to james gunn i'm gonna say that i think the russo brothers should have gotten this one but what do you think
1: i you know it was so different i guess now that i think about it going back that it's a political thriller yeah um I think that should have gotten more of a nod. Now that I think about it, yeah, it could have gone either way. But again, I think I still got to go to the fact that I'll have a better picture after Guardians of the Galaxy.
0: Okay. Uh, Best editing, Edge of Tomorrow won that one. I I would not give Captain America the Winter Soldier best editing. I wouldn't.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, Uh, Yeah.
1: I didn't know. I have not seen Edge of Tomorrow. Okay. Um, Maybe Interstellar just because how intertwined that film was.
0: Yeah, yeah. To
1: make it all fit together, maybe that could have got a better nod. so.
0: Okay. Uh, Best Music went to Hans Zimmer for Interstellar. Do you think that uh, Henry Jackman of Captain America, the Winter Soldier, should have won this one, or did Zimmer rightfully get this?
1: Uh, I think Zimmer got it. I don't remember the name too much from Interstellar. The other one I probably probably would um rivaled with yeah be Henry Jackson because that iconic military music yeah with this film you associate that with Captain America so so well.
0: Yeah. It was nominated for Best Production Design, but that went to Interstellar. And so did Best Special Effects. That also went to Interstellar. I don't see Cap winning either of those either.
1: No, neither do I. Yeah.
0: Uh Best Supporting Actor. Okay, now we've got a problem. <laughs> Richard Armitage wins for The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies. But here you had Anthony Mackie, Falcon, for Captain America, The Winter Soldier, and you had Samuel L. Jackson for Captain America, The Winter Soldier. So, would you have chosen either of those to win over Armitage? Myself? I pick Anthony Mackie. I think he was a better supporting actor than Richard Armitage was. What about you?
1: What was the character that Rich, Richard Armitage played in Battle of the Five
0: Armies? Uh, he was the main dwarf. Okay. Thorin, oh, Thorin so, Oakenshield.
1: So, so he was the main main guy. Yeah. And he was a supporting cast. Okay. He yeah.
0: Sh- shouldn't have been there.
1: Uh, Andy Circus, he should have been a main character. Um, so that eliminates those two. I think really, J.K. Simmons, a Whiplash supporting actor?
0: Well, we're just look. we already gone over that. We're just going over our Captain America Winter Soldier ones here.
1: I, I know. Also, so if I had to pick one of the two, I would probably pick yeah, Anthony Mackie because he was a better supporting actor. Okay. i guess that was my whole point that he's a better supporting character the gotcha. other guys just seemed
0: like they were the main character okay uh best supporting actress went to renee russo for nightcrawler but uh in this we had scarlett johansson getting a nom for this what do you think should scarlett have beaten renee did you ever see nightcrawler
1: no i have
0: not okay i'm i'm gonna say right now renee russo wins this one hands down because okay. i've seen it and it's it's redonkulously amazing um and then best writing uh, Interstellar wins over Captain America, the Winter Soldier, Edge of Tomorrow, Guardians of the Galaxy, Grand Budapest Hotel, Hobbit, Battle of Five Armies, and Whiplash. Yes!
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love Whiplash. It's so great. But it um, didn't sorry, win. JC, but, <laughs> but for best writing, I don't know. I guess maybe Interstellar. I'm not 100%. I'm not very knowledgeable on it. in terms of nominating on what's the best writing. Okay. I don't know what all the parameters you need to look at to make it so that that wins. I don't know, so I yeah. just gotta gotta go with
0: it. I'm gonna say Interstellar wins this one for myself. Uh, <laughs> as much as I love Cap, it's it's unfortunately Interstellar came out. Sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah, they did a clean sweep of almost everything. Yeah,
0: and then the MTV Movie Awards had two nominations. It was nominated for Best Fight, but it lost to the freaking Maze Runner. No.
1: Couldn't tell you. i never saw the Maze Runner. Nobody else did. Probably for good reason.
0: Yeah. I think Cap should have won this one. It was Cap versus Winter Soldier that was nominated. Oh, yeah. The choreography was great. Best Kiss uh, went to uh, Ansel Elgort and Shailene Woodley for The Fault in Our Stars. But Scarlett Johansson and Chris Evans were on there also for Winter Soldier. And uh, not going to lie, that was a pretty good kiss on the escalator.
1: Yeah. Uh, when comparing it to Andrew Garfield, and Emma Stone, because I think the Amazing Spider-Man oh, is the only yeah. one I think I've really seen. Yep. I think I got to give it to Winter Soldier because I can't really remember it. So.
0: See if, I, oh, if, if we're well,
1: doing and i knocked crap about that too. Jeez.
0: If we were Jeez. doing Amazing Spider-Man Two, also, I would then say Andrew Garfield, and Emma Stone win because they they're a real life couple and that, you can see their chemistry on the screen. Yeah. Uh, okay, but now that we're done with that handle business. On to our next segment, titled Top 3, Bottom 3. This is where we talk about the three things that we want to highlight in this movie. And then we go over the three things that are bad, unforgivable, or downright travesties. This is where it gets argumentative. Let's start (laughs) with the top three. Steve, what are your top three? Go.
1: All right. uh, My number three, I loved Winter Soldier's Get Up. I loved his uniform. All the way, you know, his arm and how that looked on there with just the solid red star. Mm -hmm. I'm actually, the more I thought about it, I'm curious on why... He, why he has a Red Star. I don't know too much about Winter Soldier in the comic. Uh,
0: Red I Star thought, was for Russia. I thought
1: his whole getup was really cool.
0: Yeah, his, um, the Red Star was for Russia.
1: Okay. And then um, how he had the mask over his face and just how much soldier-like he looked. I really liked that.
0: Yeah.
1: Number two, Cat versus Winter Soldier, the fight scene on the highway. I thought between those two, it was very, very well choreographed. Both were matched very well which kind of makes sense because cap is one of a super soldier. And from when you remember captain America, the first Avenger, when Bucky's on that, you know, operating table, that's right. they might've, they might have done something similar to him. We don't know. They 100%. were messing with him too. Yes. Yeah. So I think that's why they went well together. And my number one black widow, I think I'm, every time she's in a movie, she's always in my top three. Yep. For every rightfully so. But <laughs> Black Widow and Cap, I like their chemistry yeah. Um, better than Sam and Steve.
0: Okay, 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 okay. I'm going to challenge you on this one. I'm sorry. I think here's I can't say that Sam and Steve is better, but I can say, I'd like to think that they're equal. I think that they're equal. Because okay. Black Widow and Cap have a a different relationship than Sam and Steve do. Black Widow and Cap, they've been through the Battle of New York together. Sam and Steve can share war stories. So I, and, and, and their chemistry together, when they become a trio, it's almost like they all feed off each other.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I think it's I think it's more equal myself. I'm gonna, Can you give me that conceit that they're equal?
1: No, I agree. I think they're, they're <laughs> equal and they're equal for different reasons. Okay. If that makes any sense.
0: Which is kind of funny cuz that leads into my top 3. Okay. My number three is Black Widow and Falcon. <laughs> I think they wow. both I think they both get their due in this movie uh they both have their own moments uh and you kind of learn about both of them at the same time throughout the movie, which is kind of cool. uh my number two i'm capping the elevator it's, it's just so I could watch that scene on a loop. It's just so well done as an action scene. And my number one is the Captain America versus Bucky fight in the third helicarrier. It's got a lot of emotion in that scene and it solidifies Steve's perspective that there is still good in Bucky, which I will carry into civil war when we do that one. Yes,
1: sir. Yeah.
0: All right. Let's move on to the bottom three. It's time to vent and time to yell and scream at each other now. So here we go, Steve go you can you get the first first punch into my face go
1: i know i know you're not going to like this one but it's okay um number 3 scrawny steve rogers no! it still looks bad to me i'm sorry buddy but it just still looks off and even you said when they do scrawny steve rogers if it's a full body kind of a back away shot it looks okay yeah and i almost conceded with that and i remember the couple scenes like, but when it's close up, it just still looks off to me. Um, it had, it just brought back an eyesore. Okay. Um. No. Number two, the survivability of a lot of scenes just seems so far fetched. Um, Sam rolling out of the highway after he comes out of the van. I'm sorry, the man would have lost half over half of his skin. Um. And especially <laughs> Jasper. That would have been. A,
0: that would have been an interesting movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean. Jasper at the end, I don't know. I think We talked about this earlier. Burnt to a crisp. He shouldn't have survived with all that. That was a Jasper. I guess if he's supposed to be you a. You mean Rumlo? Yes. I'm sorry. Thank yeah. you. Well, you should have looked at that. You should have corrected. So it's your fault.
0: Um, I thought you no. saw something that I didn't see. That's all.
1: Oh, no. Come on. I'm not that good.
0: <laughs> and my
1: number one, and I know you got a beef with this one the helicarrier yeah. scene at the end. Yeah. Why not just shoot him down to begin with? Why not just take that out? How? Um, Maria Hill. She's at the control something, kind of guiding cap, and where they got to put all these cards in there. Right. Um, Can't she just access something with her divine wisdom? I mean, she was the right hand man of Nick Fury.
0: Look, those cards are the override access for her to do that. Well, couldn't she do something to kind of
1: override and kind of get rid of the whole card and just align something? From space or some satellites, just to it, kind of get rid of them, or through Stark—I don't know. That, well, they ended up destroying them, anyways. No, it, so why it's, not just destroy them in the beginning?
0: Because you couldn't. You needed the cards to override them. Otherwise, Hydra has access to them all the time.
1: You needed a mission for mission dependence. That's Steve
0: not Rogers. no, 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 no. Sorry, bullshit. <laughs> I'm calling it now. No, they—that was the whole point of the three cards. Was it? It's what gave Maria Hill access. If they didn't have that, she couldn't do it. I'm yeah, no no (laughs) go to your corner no okay
1: well will you give me an honorable mention then okay black widow and her sultry red locks.
0: yeah i'll give you that one i'm missing that should be your number one
1: yeah (laughs) so all right so what are your bottom
0: okay well honestly i feel like i'm nitpicking here because i think this movie's fantastic uh i would my number three is i would think that bucky would be a more precise shooter than with his robotic left arm he keeps shooting with his right though (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's true
0: <laughs> that didn't make any sense to me uh my number two is the helicarrier design is uh, it's a little it's, li- it's a little much so it's a, it's a little too much with that many guns
1: that is fog at its finest <laughs> <I think. laughs>
0: and my number one ties in directly with that which is there's seven billion people in the world and by sacrificing 20 million all will be well 20 million people are threats to Hydra, and they're all located in just three places? Since there are only three helicarriers and they're waiting to go over three destinations before firing? We we got a problem here. (laughs) Sorry. If if we knew that those cities were what they were, you just drop three A-bombs on them and be fine.
1: That's so, true. So, I wonder if that was just like the start of that uh, Project Insight initiative where they take out that area and then they go to another area and then they go to another area. Because you got to think, the United States is how many people in it. They can just kind of go over that area alone. I think $20 million, I don't think it solves a problem, but it sends a darn good message.
0: Yeah, it, it, but it's kind of like they, they go, okay, is it online? Okay, let's find the targets. And it fills up a screen with thousands of targets in one little city block. And you're like... How awful is that city supposed to be? <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm sorry. I'm a math teacher. You're a math teacher. This is <laughs> that we think about sometimes. Numbers get involved and you know, we're calculating winners, we're calculating Steve Rogers' speed when he's running. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> well, let's look at the critic's rating here. We use an A to F scale here on the movie Planet. A C is considered average. A or 12 is the highest F or a one, is the lowest. If the movie is so bad it receives F from all the hosts, it goes to a new category of movie, the Movie Planet Global Killer. The Movie Planet Global Killer, a category of movie where you can watch it ironically and have an amazing time at how bad it is. So the question is, what do you give Captain America, the Winter Soldier, in the comic book feature film genre? Now, last week, you went first. I'm going to go this time, so you can have the last word. All right. Okay. This movie is such a joy to watch, and I'm starting to really appreciate what Phase 2 is all about. It's about changing the tone, from learning what our heroes can do to watching our heroes take more responsibility when they start to lose trust in what is most important to them. Iron Man 3 introduced Tony Stark as a man who can no longer trust himself. Thor the Dark World introduced Thor as a man who can no longer trust the judgment of his father, Odin. And Captain America, the Winter Soldier, introduces a man who blindly trusted his government, but no longer can trust them. Trust. This is the huge theme of this phase of movies. And this movie does it best out of all of them. It's the crown jewel of this phase, as far as I'm concerned. Now, it should also be noted that this is not just a Captain America movie. It's the second movie in the Cap Trilogy. Trilogy rules dictate that for a good second act to happen, you better put your heroes in peril in the worst possible circumstances. And it needs to end in a cliffhanger that makes you wonder what could possibly happen next. And I would say that this movie does this in spades. Also, this is as much Black Widow's movie as Cap's. Black Widow and Cap's relationship is really fleshed out here, and not from just their action scenes, but the scenes in between the action. It lends credibility to her as an equal to Captain America instead of just a glorified S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. They are colleagues, and they're both elite in their respective skill sets. Now, cast-wise, everyone acts their off in this movie. In a political spy thriller, Ambiguity is the name of the game, and this movie definitely has you guessing, second-guessing, and third-guessing all the way through. Robert Redford, Frank Grillo, Arnim Zola, all three— I said Frank Grillo. It should have been Brock Brock Rumlow— are three well-crafted villains. Rumlow represents the threat you can see on the ground— Alexander Pierce represents the threat pulling the strings, and Arnim Zola is the threat you never knew was there all along. Chris Evans, Scarlett Johansson, Nick Fury, they all play the role of confused and pissed off so well. They never show their hands, and and they deliver their dialogue so masterfully, I no longer can refer to them by their actor names. They're simply Cap, Widow, and Fury now. This is the movie where we realize you can never recast these three roles. Now, plot-wise, we get to see Captain America sacrificing himself again for the mission by getting the helicarriers to fire on themselves while he's still on it for all you out there who think he never sacrifices anything. In fact, one could argue that his sacrifice may have brought Bucky a little closer to reality, saving another person's mind. This is a comic book movie, so there are definitely some action points that need, some, that need to seem good on the comic book pages, but not so realistic in our present-day world. Captain America, however, seems to jump the shark in his powers. Remember, he's not Superman. He's a super soldier. He's enhanced, not invulnerable. But as I'm thinking about it, we never really get to know the extent of the super soldier serum, so we can only go by what we see and look for consistency. He can fall from a building 40 stories high, land on his vibranium shield, and be fine to sprint, but he gets shot in the side, and all of a sudden he can't do anything. I know that's a nitpicky thing, but for me it stands out as something that bothered me one second. And then I totally forgot it the next because the story doesn't require you to buy that in order for it to move forward. The big fool you moment is that even though the title is Captain America, the Winter Soldier, the Winter Soldier is not the villain. Bucky is a conflicted pawn. You can tell he's remembering things, but it's a struggle to accept it. So why is this movie important in the series? Well, you get the introduction to Falcon, you get the dissolution of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Hydra, which also completely separates it from the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV show, something they'd been wanting to do since season one. You get the reintroduction of Bucky Barnes as the Winter Soldier. You get Black Widow in a character piece now. You show Nick Fury as more than a leader, and he has a backstory. You got Captain America solidified as a hero, not because of what he can do, but because he does what most of us can't do. You get the end of the helicarriers, because they are never showing up ever again, and you get the introduction to Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver in the post-credits. So for me... My final grade is an A. This is another perfect movie for me and stands up next to the original Iron Man in my eyes as Pantheon-worthy. Steven?
1: I give it a B. Wait. (laughs) Come on. It's tough to come after what everything that you just said. All right. So being a villains guy, this movie was a little different for me. The main antagonist wasn't one guy, it was a philosophy. In the beginning, it seemed like this was Winter Soldier's character, but then when you find out it's Bucky and learn that what has really happened to him, he loses that title and he just becomes a product of the government. And what I mean when he loses that title, he's no longer the villain. And you mentioned that earlier in yours. The beginning tanker scene, ah, to me, it sucked. Digitally, it wasn't there, and now to me it just seemed pointless. George St. Pierre's character came in quickly and was forgotten about just as fast. Um, When Black Widow and Cap traveled to the army base in Jersey, it was a slow part that it's soaked with content. It wasn't a bad that it was slow, but it's just so soaked with content of what the real meaning behind Hydra and S.H.I.E.L.D. is all about with Arnim Zola. The movie brings me back to Cap the Winter Soldier fight scenes. Those are the ones I did like the best. I did like the S.H.I.E.L.D was able to be compromised, and they're not all powerful. I'm excited to see this movie again in the grand scheme of things. Will I pick this one out of 22 total in the the saga? I won't. I won't just pick this one movie out just to see. Based on the end, there is still more to tell, which brings the excitement back, but it's kind of the theme for all of these movies. We have not seen the last of Bucky, and he's a major player that has yet to be talked about. The movie is the start of the change for Steve Rogers. Perfect. It's a perfect job at changing his stance on the government and his stance overall on what he truly believes in, back from in 1945 until now. The character arc is transforming and it's fun to watch its change. With all the characters evolves, it becomes essential watching to appreciate the saga and Captain America. This is the second movie in the Cap series, and when I look back at the others, It is just above Iron Man 2 for me, which I talked really highly about. And with that, I give it a B.
0: Okay, so that puts Captain America, if you average our A and B, it gives it a 10.5, which is a solid B+. Now, revisit the list of movies in the Pantheon. We still got Deadpool, Iron Man, and Dark Knight holding strong at 1, 2, and 3. Batman Begins is an A-, minus. Marvel's The Avengers is a 10.5, which ties with The Winter Soldier. Captain America, the first Avenger, is number seven on the list, and we say goodbye to Thor.
2: Oh. Thor
0: is being booted out. Now, Stephen, my friend, my, my colleague, my, my brother from another mother, we have a tie at Marvel's The Avengers and Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Now, the last time we had a tie was between Green Lantern and Iron Man 2, Stephen. I gave you the final say as to which one would go above and which. And this time it's my turn. Yes, sir. And I'm saying Winter Soldier goes above the Avengers. Oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) So.
1: That's only fair because if, okay, no, I I, I concede to that, yes.
0: (laughs) Only because, one, I think the Avengers movie is a weaker movie than two other Avengers movies. I think if you
1: put this movie on the fact that it is a real thinking man's movie. Yes. And you really have to – it's very, very story-driven, and it's very plot-oriented. And with The Avengers, it's all visual. It's in your face. It's fun. Yeah. But in terms of a political thriller, if I look at it that way, then I I can agree with you not.
0: Okay. That makes me happy. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I just I, I just look at what got booted out and there's going to be an unhappy camper <laughs>
0: there is but hey in the next phase there's another Thor movie so we'll see what happens yes sir uh, let's get our critics hats off do you love this movie like this movie or none of the above Steve
1: I liked it uh, it was fun I didn't hate Cap as much <laughs> as I did in the Avengers I um, love this movie <laughs> because, yeah
0: <laughs> despite Cap I love this movie
1: yeah, so what do you think? Do you think pre-college teens or kids would like this movie, Joe? Uh,
0: okay, the action scenes would keep them interested, so I'll say that they would like this movie, but I think it moves a little slower paced for our uh, kids who have the attention span of a fly. What about you? Uh,
1: yes, I agree. Um, I think they actually might like this one more than Cap 1, um, okay, just because it's a little bit more modern. Gotcha. It's not, back, it's not back in the World War II era, where the kids can't even relate to that. Heck, you couldn't, they couldn't even relate stuff to back, probably even in the '90s or the '80s. So
0: I don't relate <laughs> to this one even more. Well, hey, that's all we've got time for today, Movie Planeteers. Next show, we'll continue our look at the Marvel Cinematic Universe with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One. You excited? Uh,
1: I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'm, what about you?
0: I'm I, I, last time. Well, huh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I just I remember. Okay, I'm not going to show my hand yet. Let's just say that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 and Winter Soldier are two very different movies. (laughs) It's going to be hard to whiplash this.
1: Yes, I think when we do uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, I think those will be, at least for me, That'll be a very, very true grade of what I get. Oh, okay. Just going into that look, with kind of blinders on up until I see that
0: movie. All right. Well, hey, you can email the Movie Planet using the address, at movieplanetpodcast.gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Overcast, Podbean, or Spotify, and give us a four- or five-star review. Tweet with any questions, comments, theories and I'll try to fit them into the show next time we're on the air. Send those tweets to @movieplanetpod and let us on Facebook and Instagram using links in the show notes. The opinions expressed on the Movie Planet podcast are those of the individual hosts. I do not run everyone's opinions. The Movie Planet podcast is not affiliated with, prepared for, approved or licensed by any entity that created any films discussed or reviewed herein. We are not bought and paid for like other podcasts out there. All movie clips and music included in the podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review and no infringement is intended. Special thanks to Twisterium and SoundJay Music for providing our intro and closing music for other shows. Thanks for listening. Steve, do you have anything for the end of the show you want to add? On your left. Oh, that was tight. Happy movie watching.